G'day everyone and welcome to Ruin Hammer Season 2 Episode 52. Uh, thank you so much everyone for joining us. Apology, apologies for the late start, but would you believe technical difficulties again? Um, <laughs> how's, how's it going Hammer? How's it going on your end? Oh mate, frustrating. I'm the one with the te technical difficulties tonight. I uh, had no microphone, I had no speakers, uh, we couldn't get on Restream, then I couldn't get on Zoom and so I'm doing it off my phone tonight mate. So uh yeah, I've gone we back just, to the ages. We roll with the punches. That's what we do. Uh, technology yeah, can, can be our best friend and our worst enemy. Absolutely. <laughs> we have a very special guest tonight, though. Would you, would you like to give him an intro? I will, mate. Yes. Um, tonight's guest played six seasons in the uh, New South Wales Rugby League with Parramatta and Western Suburbs before returning home to the Warriors for the 96 season. He played two seasons for our beloved Warriors, playing 36 games and scoring four tries, a try-scoring machine. Uh, he played 16 <laughs> tests for the Zealand Kiwis and has been tireless in his work post his, uh, his football career in pathways and development for young players coming through, particularly with the young Maldi players. Uh, it's an honour to welcome uh, Warrior 30, Mark Horro. Hey, Mark, how are you, brother? Hey, boys. That's very grateful. What a, you don't realise what you've done until you hear it a couple of times like that. It's, um, yeah, appreciate that, boys. Mate, Thank it'll you. be like um, it'll be like all the uh, guys that we've had on. They don't realise how distinguished their careers were, or how much they're appreciated for you know their time, especially wearing our Warriors jersey. Um, but yeah, we're looking forward to it, bro. Really looking forward to this. Uh, awesome! Yeah. It was. Uh, I think this whole conversation started off with uh, Rob about when I replied to that little um, when you had a little post about my image, and I went. It was just yeah, always. I just said to Rob, it's always um, very grateful for what you've done, but definitely the Warriors. It was a very homecoming in, in sorts. Yep. So when we chat about it, it's uh, it was a nice way to finish a career. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was actually quite beautiful. It was uh, very, very, um, it was perfect. Yeah, good. Awesome. Well, mate, we'll take you all the way back to the very start, like we do with uh, all of our guests. Um, can you tell us where you grew up and who was your junior footy club? I, I was a... So I'll go back a little bit further. I was an amateur wrestler. Yep. Um, I, didn't, I didn't play league till I was 17. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, so I did really, really well at amateur wrestling. I, I was quite successful at it. At 15, I went to America and 17, I went to America. And when I came back, my mates were playing rugby league. And they said, you want to come and have a game of rugby league? So it was Melville Old Boys. And um, it was a, a new club, which sort of came into the school at the same time. So it was sort of like one of the first schools to play a bit of rugby league. We were sort of versing rugby as far as not trying to compete. And we still, we still compete, but uh, Melville Old Boys. And then a year later, um, my mates that were playing, they had brothers playing for Hamlin City Tigers. I went over to Hamlin City Tigers and, yeah, it was just it's crazy. It was really... I. It's funny to think, but I went to the junior worlds as a 17-year-old as an amateur wrestler. If I hadn't played rugby league, I would have gone on and wrestled. And, and I don't know, how, no, I didn't. I don't know how I would have done. I didn't do well in the junior worlds, but I would have been an amateur wrestler. Wow. If I hadn't wow. played rugby league. Wow. Well, well, that takes out one question later on, which we always ask, which is, what's the interview we ask? If you hadn't become a you know, role player, what would you have become? So. <laughs> Yeah, we could strike that one off. <laughs> you would have been taken on the rock and stone cold Steve Austin. <laughs> yeah, no, no. He would yes. have been taken at a third angle. 
Yeah, well, all those guys at that time, you look at you think back at the 80s and the 90s, it was um, John De Silva and I because I was an a- amateur, it was it became a like a guru status. It was there, it yeah. was really quite cool watching all those guys. Uh, oh, geez, Abdullah the Butcher, his yeah. mate, his guys, you probably wouldn't, yeah, in the, in the 80s, but they're making but, money out of it. I was a, a horrible pair of uh tights that you had to wear and headgear, and <laughs> the, the yeah, amateur, but, um, that's what that uh. Foxcatcher thing was about, isn't it? The Foxcatcher. Yeah, have you seen the Foxcatcher documentary about uh, Dupont uh, in America? Oh. Where he started uh, and he, he ended up killing some of his rest. Anyway, that's another story. We'll get onto that. <laughs> well, no, I see. I, I, had, I don't think I've seen the doco, but. Uh, yeah. Mate, um, in 1985, you end up playing at the Teatahu Roosters, uh, yeah. thanks to your brother, Shane. Um, yeah. I've read, I do a lot of research before I get you guys on. I've read that uh, for you, it was a difficult situation because you were living and working in Hamilton at the time. And yeah. I think your wife was pregnant with Justin at the time yes. as well. Yes. So, a, just, the, just, the, just the real cool part, um, Shane made the Kiwis. Yep. And, and he was Ronnie Regan and there was a um, Mark Aelia. So that we, we were looking like putting together a pretty successful team in 86 to, to play at Teatta to. And John Dobson and Brian Tracy said, do you, do you have anybody else? And and, and the, it's the best part about this. I've always, um, you can't repay your brother for what he did. Because he said, yeah, my little brother goes all right. And so Brian Tracy and John Dobson came down to Hamilton. Um, I was terrified because it was Auckland. Uh, this is 85. Um, I had a great job. Uh, my son was going to be born in 86. And, and it's funny too, because they, they, they propositioned me for a thousand bucks to go up and play at the attitude. And at that time, it, I think a couple of years later, I was able to buy a house out of a little bit of money made at regularly. But yeah, I was terrified. It was... Um, yeah, my brother just said, he made the Kiwis, he said, yeah, my little brother goes all right. And the rest is, you know, that, that conversation was enough to get Brian to come down. So, yeah. yeah. And I was terrified too because firstborn son, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, it's crazy. And Crystal it glass. Crystal yeah. glass. Kahikato drive. <laughs> that good, you had a good job. <laughs> oh. um, you make your Kiwis debut in 1987 in a test against the Pumals. Uh, yep. What was this experience like? And your first test to do it alongside your brother? Yeah, it's it's crazy. There was so three sets of brothers. You don't again. It's Roberts. Not until you're my age and, and you get in the fifties, you sort of, I guess, yeah, just reflect a little bit. You you just sitting 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 um, in little um, you know, just sit outside and think about what you've done. But yeah, that moment, um, just getting on a plane with the Kiwis. Like yeah. just, I got I got picked in the Kiwis down at Greymouth, and Tony Gordon rang up and says you made the Kiwis, and it's just crazy. I was I was, in, I was playing for Auckland at the time, and I rang the wife and said I've just made the Kiwis. She's non, she's a non-believer. I'm a non-believer. I have to make sure that this is a real thing. But yeah, to do it with your brother, um, I got knocked out. <laughs> and in those days, so it's, we were playing at uh, Port Moresby, um, and in those days, the, the trainer came out. Um, I remember that Glenn was our physio and he's, he's picked me off the ground and he said, you got to get up. you got to get back in the line. And so when I say knocked out, it was probably knocked out in a way today that you, you don't come back on when you have those head tests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I'd actually blacked out. I'd fallen on the back of my head. So if it was uh, today, you'd, yeah, you'd, you wouldn't pass your concussion test. But yeah, I'd, 
we end up playing uh, really well. It was an amazing experience playing in PNG Moresby. You just mate, they're a beautiful country. Uh, machine guns, um, yep. guard dogs. You, you just yeah, you just when you get an experience like that with your brother and over there doing something like it, you don't realise that you've gone into another world. So that was another cool thing too. Like these people were you know held back by guns and dogs, and they're just passionate. It was and it was crazy. Everybody is the same size, yeah. and, and everybody the prop wouldn't run straight at you for penalty tap. He'd chip it over the top of you. Like it was like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Like he's not doing a Brent Todd or an Adrian Shelf, but he's fucking hit. He'll go over the top and chip over the top. So, and and yeah, and just yeah, just crazy preparation, real, real, real hard, passionate, beautiful people. Great time, and yeah, again, just. One of three sets of brothers to do it. And yeah. yeah. Nice place to do it. Yeah. Awesome. Mate, um, you also played in a mid-season test against a star-studded Kangaroos at Lang Park that year. And the Kiwis are victorious, 13 to 6. Um, yeah. I've read some interviews that you've given on this. Tell us about that experience, because that was that was a mind-blowing experience for a lot of Kiwi players back then, wasn't it? Well, <laughs> but I, I guess, guys, you know, when you think about what we do today, and everybody's in Australia to get picked, there's seven or eight or nine of us. Oh, well, there's only, there's only Daryl Williams, Hugh McGahn and Gary Freeman and or Sam Stewart that play in Australia. So out of the 15 players, there's only four that play in Australia. And if you sort of put that in perspective, we come from Teatitude, Glenora, Mount Albert. So I, I want autographs. Yeah. I'm playing against a guy after the game. I fucking want his autograph. I want yeah. Wayne Pierce and, and, and we read about them in the big league magazines. So there's a real there's a real narrative to that is they're idols. We're, we're playing yeah. against guys that we so respect and, and idolize. And my, um, Brian Niebling, um, Bob Lindner, uh, Wally Lewis, um, Gene Miles. Yeah. So and you're just crazy. I still don't. There's a beautiful part about, sorry to harp a little bit. There's a story okay. seven minutes into the game. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the fittest guys on the field. And after seven minutes, after Wally set up, I see another little story. So before I finish this other story, I tried to tackle Wally Lewis four times before he gave to Sterling when they scored. And yep. I was thinking to myself, fuck Wally, stop passing the fucking ball. <laughs> He's beat me four times. And I thought in this one play to, for Sterling to score. Anyway, they score and I'm, I'm, I turn around to Huey and I said, I'm fucked, I'm gone. And he said, you'll be okay. It was, I've never had anything said to me that would resonate. So, with, you know, if anybody listens to this, it was like, it was just a, it was a gift. I went, yeah, fuck, okay, I will be. I thought I was gone. I said, I'm gone, Kiwi, I'm gone. He says, no, you'll be okay. 13 6, you know, it just the things that we'd planned to do came off. We, um, there's a move we had called Turn Up, which was that play, Ross Taylor, Sam Stewart, and we go yep. through the middle of the ruck. Um, Dower effort, 13 6. Just you know, yeah, it was it was a really and two moments in that game resonate. So one is that moment I'm fucked, I'm in trouble here, Huey. After seven minutes, and the next is um, I didn't drink that night. I went home and I lay with my number ones in the hotel room at about four o'clock in the morning, and I realised I'd beaten Australia. Yep. So those two yeah. things were the two like would say highlights of that '87 was the fact that I I didn't 
contemplate that until about four o'clock in the morning, lying there in my suit and dying. I wouldn't fucking take it off because if, <laughs> if I took it off, then it would be it would be over. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lay there, I lay there in a suit and tie and, and realized that just yeah, come on, think of I think we've we've all yeah, beaten Australia. And they hadn't been beaten for like about 10 or 12 tests. So no. yeah. just, just yeah, just the fact that four guys had were playing in Australia at the time. And it's not that we weren't rated. We call we call the baby Kiwi. So yeah, we just yeah, it was again just belief. Um, Huey, you're not going. You'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. Yeah, just wanted to stay. Yeah. Just want to stay in the moment, though. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, in, in in 1988, you represent the Kiwis in the World Cup, uh, and you had wins yep. against um, PNG and Great Britain, and then lost to the Kangaroos in the World Cup final. Um, what was that experience of playing in that tournament like? <laughs> Well, it was crazy. It was, it was probably you know if there if there was a negative, we, we weren't we weren't bonded. We had a real mix of three generations of Kiwis. So we played with three generations. We had three captains on the field. I felt like that we got to the World Cup final in a in a in a in a different way. The World Cup week was about what we what we had, were going to do rather than yep. what we had done. I still feel like so if I look back and reflect at that the honour of playing in Eden Park, 52,000 people, we weren't connected at the hip. And it's not till you realise later that we weren't joined at the hips. We were joined, we were three generations of Kiwis that came together to win a World Cup. And we, if we'd been connected, we probably would have done better. The first half was not catastrophic, but we, if, if you look at the game and you realise the people out there, when I say three generations, you, you understand the complexity of, of that final and and yeah it's interesting because i played in the 95 one and i was the only odd man out and they yeah. were connected so it was a very different we we um i think we went into extra time but we deserved more because of the connection that we had so that those blokes have been playing together for six or seven years but uh eden park the rugby you know mecca of the world for the all blacks it was a, it was a privilege to go out there and play and those yeah the whole experience other than that we just we weren't the 87 side we weren't connected at the hip you mentioned before that there was uh players from all different generations so you played with some absolute legends of new zealand rugby league too like the the iro brothers gary yep. freeman kurt Sorensen, mark graham yes it still must have been awesome experience so to play alongside like some of those guys well, they, they, well i um i swapped a couple of jackets with mark graham so just just so I'm in the in the World Cup week and I, and I there's just stuff you that you do that you just yeah you're right he was yeah look so he was my he was my number one guy so to have him and Kurt in the back row and again probably was I immature or or you know it's funny how you sort of reflect to the two guys that I had Hugh McGann and, and Sam Stewart and then I had Mark Graham and Kurt Sorensen so you would think better but it's interesting how those dynamics work but yeah Mark Graham. Kevin Tarmody, Howie Tarmody, yeah. uh, Dane O'Hara, um, yeah, 85, I Kiwi trod. I was out of my depth. I, I remember um, dropping a ball in the trial and I realised I dropped the Kiwi jersey. I hadn't just dropped the fucking ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but you, that, so 85, 86, 87, 88, I was there. Yeah, I played with three generations of footballers, yeah. Ronald Regan's, um, Shelford's, the Iros. Uh, and then I hung around like a... I was very fortunate. I hadn't played for five years, and then to play with Stacey Jones, Gene yeah. Namu, the Richie Blackmores, yeah, it was it was crazy. Yeah, 
it would have been. Mate, um, from that, that 88 um, World Cup uh, tournament, you get recruited by Southard and spend the 88-89 season playing in England uh, for the yep. Southard. How was that experience? Because go, going from New Zealand Rugby League over to the English Rugby League. You know what, honestly, Mark, it's, it's, it just gives us Kiwi boys in those days. I bought my house. I got 8,000 pounds. Yep. It just enabled me to get a start in life. And, and I, I, you sort of, you, you can replay rugby league in a lot of ways. So, we, you know, I obviously do it now with other stuff that yeah. I do with programs. But that was that was the best I could do afterwards because rugby league, Salford, um, Johnny Wilkinson was the, the chairman. He picked me up in a jag. I shit myself because I'm from the Waikato. You know, the guy's got a fucking jag, you know. <laughs> I and no prime ministers of Australia and and, and, and criminals like it. <laughs> um, just yeah, Kevin Chester. Yeah, just yeah, it was just it was an amazing experience. I played all all twenty two games and I felt responsible. So when you get paid, even though that doesn't sound like a lot of money for me and my wife and my son, it was like it changed my life. So I felt like my dad taught me a really good aspect. He said, if someone gives you ten dollars an hour, you give them twelve dollars an hour worth. So I, that's what I went over there to do. I lived in Manchester, mate. I'm from the Waikato. Like, <laughs> they give me a, they, they, they drove up they, they give me a car they give me a detached home in there in Wars, in Worsley like it's it's just ridiculous like I'm a Mary boy like half caste Mary boy from the Waikato and, and yeah. I had a babysitter for me son I had people look after me kid for me <laughs> just yeah it's it's ridiculous the the journey you can go on if you get this right and you're fortunate to, to do stuff like that but Salford the Red Devils um yeah, it was, yeah, it's awesome. It's just, yeah, crazy time in my life. I probably got tired. Um, I played three seasons, and that was probably the, the catalyst for the next year. It was really tough when I come back to the two. Yeah. Yeah, well, from Salford back to Parramatta, and you signed for the Eels in the 1990 season in the then New South Wales Rugby League competition. So how did your yeah. signing at Parramatta for that season come about? I missed the Kiwis. I missed the Kiwis to tour in '89. I um, I, got, I was tired. Um, I, I probably looked back and I got angry. Tony rang up and he said, "You're not in the Kiwis." And we had words that I I could like. Yeah, it was just really tough. So I decided that I'll go to Australia and see if I can make it in Australia. My, my problem was I was 27 and I yeah. and I hadn't made the Kiwis. So I, Sam Stewart helped me out. And he said, "Mate, come to the Knights." So. I went over and trained at the Knights up in Newcastle. There was um, Alan McMahon and Alan Bell. They were the head coach and assistant coach. And we trained for two weeks. And at that time, transfer fees were quite exorbitant. So I was $50,000 to the Newcastle Knights if I played for them, not for me, for the Knights, for the New Zealand yep. Rugby League. And I had words with George Rainey over that because I said, why do you get the 50 grand? I'm the one doing all the work and you get the 50 grand. And he said, that's the way it is. And then Tony Kemp fought it and beat it about three years later. But long story short, I was at the Knights for two weeks. They couldn't afford it. Um, I came back down to Parramatta. My my brother-in-law says, mate, why don't you, would you play for nothing? And um, I said, yeah, I just want to see if I can, if I can crack it here. And he said, so I met with Parramatta, Dennis Fitzgerald and I, I sat in the room and we come up with a deal that um, I would pay half my transfer fee. And he said, well, you've got to train and trial. Um, I played five games and at the start of 1990 in February, after the fourth or fifth trial, Mick Cronin said, we're going to sign you. So we did a deal. So I paid 25,000 of that 50,000 as, as a, as, so I could play that year. And it was, 
it was still there's a there's a there's a crazy dynamic about that so just a little bit of a story about so i'd finished in teatta in two in 1989 i got eight thousand pounds in england i got two and a half thousand dollars to play for teatta I go to Australia, I get caught up in this whole $50,000 and I'll pay $25,000. But Dennis is sitting in front of me and he said, I'll pay you $2,500 to play first grade and $1,000 to play reserve grade. And I thought to myself, two and a half Australians, about 3,000 Kiwi. That'll, that'll, you know, that's something towards it, but it's going to take me a lifetime to pay up to 25000 I look at the fucking contract. It's a fucking game. Oh. Oh. Two and a half thousand a game. I pissed myself. <laughs> So I'm looking at this contract thinking, I should have come over here 10 years ago. So uh, it took me took me 12 rounds to pay off my 25000 Um, But I, look, I, it wasn't the money. I wanted to prove myself in the best competition in the world, but the money did help. It was, it was yeah, it was just crazy. And then halfway through the year, they said, mate, we'll like it. I was, <laughs> I'm 27 and they signed me for three more years. I got 60,000, 1,000 a game to play for the next 60, 65 and 70,000 for the next three years. So it was just, yeah, change your life. It's a, it's an experience. You just look back and think, wow, it's, yeah, it's crazy. So I stayed at Parramatta for five years. It was, uh, it was a wonderful experience. They've always been very kind to me, but, but I, was, I think wherever you go, it's like my dad said, if you give, if they give you 10 bucks, you give them $11 worth and you'll, you'll never be out of a job. Yeah, exactly. Mate, once again, during my extensive research, I, um, I, I read an interview uh, you did somewhere discussing that when you arrived at Parramatta, the difference between the Aussie clubs and the New Zealand clubs uh, really surprised you. Yeah, just How? professionalism. Just, just at Teatta too, we train twice a week um, and then go play for your country. These guys were doing three or four days a week already in, 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 in 1990. You, have, you had a gym, uh, off-season training was cruel. You, you're sort of fortunate because you sort of understand the dynamic. So in those early days, if you weren't fit, you wouldn't fit in. It was that, that. That different. Um, I remember we're getting training gear. So I remember the guy, Dennis Anderson, he gave me a pair of shorts. He said, mate, have these and we'll give you some more gear on Monday. And I said, what's this? He said, oh, it's gear to train. And I went, fucking, they give me gear to train. <laughs> it's, we, had a, we had a cricket oval that we would do. Um, it was just the right size of a cricket oval. We had um, out the back, Parramatta Park. Um, we had Parramatta Stadium and they got built a training field on the back. Um, so if you come from Teatitu or you come from Hamilton City Tigers and then you, you arrived there, I was it, I was at the right time in my life. So yeah. I totally appreciated, you know, it's almost like getting a master's. You sort of do your apprenticeship and you come away. But it was, yeah, it was crazy. It was just, it's just, a, there's a void to, even now there's still a void. What we teach our players home to what we teach my players here. Yeah. There's still a void. There's still a gap in that apprenticeship. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's still a gap that's that's here because the Warriors are a reflection of what we do at home. So you've got sixteen clubs that prepare Mark Robb and Mark Woodall to play rugby league, and you get a plethora of talents. You know, a guy called Chris Waller, that Kiwi guy that's over here with the he's a horse trainer, so he gets all oh, the best horses. Yeah, yeah. So he gets all the best horses. So over here, they get all the best horses. So what we do is we go to New Zealand, we'll pick up Mark Robin, and, and we and we just pick up the best horses and bring them over to the best trainers. Yeah, we've got to figure out New Zealand Rugby League, the Auckland Rugby League, and the Auckland Warriors or the New Zealand Warriors have to play together in the same yeah. room. They've got to be in the they've got to play in the same pit. 
yeah. yeah it's, not a, it's not a political stance. It's more like a, yeah, they've got to be on the same page because if, if the New Zealand Warriors do really well, Auckland Rugby League will do really well and New Zealand will do really good. Yeah. But we're just, we're not sitting in the same room. I, I feel like that's still been, we get great coaches. We've had uh, Ivan, we've had Daniel, we've had all these really wonderful coaches and it's not sustainable if, it's, if we don't have the pathways. So you can't, you can't come out of your apprenticeship with less skills. And that's what happens. So you can come out of a system of four years and it's unfair that I might know more than you when you come out and players that come over. We've got, I'm at the pathways at Penrith at the moment. We've got about six kids from New Zealand. They're great kids, Mark. So they should be at the Warriors. Yeah. But our pathways, we don't, and it's not, I'm not being critiquing, you know, it's just an obvious, it's a, it's not obvious, but it's a situation that needs to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah it makes a lot makes a lot of sense, and we've we've seen evidence of that over the years. Like a lot yeah, of, we, a lot of good I, kids have gotten away. Last, I think the uh, past two past two years has been really hard as well because the the Warriors have been based over here in Australia, and there's kind of been that disconnect between the Pathways program back home in New Zealand, with those kids aren't getting um, the opportunities, I guess, that they would normally get if the Warriors were at home. And I'll be quite quite frank. Here's another little, and this is probably a little bit political. There's one person, and I don't know who that is at the Warriors, but there's one person that's in charge of recruitment and retention. Yep. That's where the buck stops. Yep. So if it's three or four people, if there's something that we've done poorly in the last 25 years, it's our ability to retain Stacey Jones or keep Sean Johnson yep. or recruit Jerome Hughes. Yeah. So those that what that so it's not Ivan, it's not Daniel, it's the people in and around the magic that happens around that. Yeah. So I've got a, we've got three players at the moment in our pathways program that should be in your our program. It should be the Warriors yep. program. Yeah, yeah. It's not hard, honestly. No. It, it's the Auckland Rugby League, it's the New Zealand Rugby League, and the New Zealand Warriors keeping these young players home and nurturing them in the right way. There, there is a. I spoke to Brian Smith about. It might have been six or seven years ago, and he was on the right track because he he he. I came under him when I started coaching that whole yeah. field of endeavour where you you got your you got your apprenticeship. So by the time you got to Ivan, you know you know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. So it was a little bit off track, but it's um. No, no, no. That's it's great no. to hear that kind of thing. Yeah. Great to hear that insight um, from we'll someone be who's in the business. Yeah. Offering you a contract as our retention and, uh, and recruitment officer. I was just going to say, yeah, you've got a gig, gig waiting it's, for you. It, you know, the beauty about that is too, and again, it's not, I, I could be, because I think that that position, so if you think about Melbourne and the really good clubs, that person, so it's the football manager, the coach, and that person. So if you've only got two or three of those parts, or you've only got one of those parts, and if you think about our success over the last 25, 26, 27 years, it's purely based on a bit of magic once or twice. Yeah. So that magic, you look at you look at all the successful clubs, you don't hear about the guy that retains and recruits. You don't hear about the football manager, but they are. So when we, if we sat down and we were picking Sean Johnson when he came out and we said, mate, great guy, mate, we're really fast. We're on the same page. So, you, Mark, you might be the football manager and, Rob, your recruitment and you bring them to me and you go, mate, what do you think, mate? Yeah, great, we're on the same page. Or we get another guy, we might get Reese Walsh. And we go, mate, we've got a guy from the Broncos or we've got a guy. That's the page. Those are the three most important people. Yeah. It's, it's actually maths. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're exactly right. We've had we've had sort of smatterings of success over the past 25 years, but we just haven't been able to sustain it. It's, no. it's like we had that brief that period in the uh, early to mid 2000s, and then yep. during that. So that was the Daniel Anderson era, and then during the Ivan Cleary era, as you said, yep. so the, those two coaches. But yeah, for whatever reason, it just hasn't lasted more than maybe two or three years. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you think about the dynamics of that too. So you think of the guys that have been now have been able to sustain that type of performance. Now, you, so Wayne, Trent, um, Craig, all yep. these guys. There's yeah. one thing that so we should have kept Daniel, or we should have kept Ivan. Yep. You know, we, you know, we should, we should, we should have. It's in, in hindsight now. So whatever he was doing, that magic was real. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah it's, yeah, it's sort of like, yeah, we should have said, okay, let's pay this guy a little bit more money because, you know, we we need it. It's the buck stops at certain times. And if we're not successful, yeah. But these guys were these guys were great. Ivan was great. Yeah. So was Daniel. Yeah. I think Daniel's at the Roosters now. I think Daniel does the recruitment for the Roosters for Trent Roberts. Yeah. And there's the and there's the beauty about that word. So he recruits, but I was there last the year before. I was in nineteen, so I had a, a smattering of stuff there. So th- th- there's two things he does. He kicks Mark, and he and he and he, get, he goes and gets Rob. You know, yeah. recruitment and retention. Yeah, it's so hand in hand. They're so vital to the to the cogs of a, of a football team. Yeah, absolutely, it is. We could have done a whole show just, just we, on this. <laughs> we could wipe all these questions out and just talk about recruitment and retention for the next... Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, the, the, the beauty about it, guys, honestly, the maths is there. Like it's So where you go and where do we go in Australia for all our best players? Where the fuck do we go? We go to New Zealand. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Why aren't we giving Australians... And it's a bit unfair to a kid that didn't get picked by us. But we shouldn't have Nelson, Brandon, Jesse, um, all these you know, all these guys should be in our team. And, they sh- and yeah, so that's – there's a plethora of others that I could mention that would – so if there's one thing Nathan Brown and whoever runs the New Zealand Warriors need to do, they need you – know, where do you cast your fucking eye? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we can't be losing our best – I'm not going to name names at Penrith or the Roosters. We, we've named Daniel Anderson. So we come over, we go to multi tournaments, we go to, we go watch, you know, you play in Auckland. We need to be successful and we need it and we need it. So if I was going to go down to a tournament in Auckland, I'd fucking take Sean Johnson with me if I'm going to go see a young Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We need, we need you to play for New Zealand. Oh, I'm thinking of going overseas. Look, we've got some really good systems here now. Uh, it's not. It's not. Everything's not in Australia. There's a, There's a, There's enough. Yeah. It's another whole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just giving us another oh. idea of the show next year that we'll get you back on for. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We will. Yeah. That yeah. is such a great discussion. And uh, yeah, we're, we're pathways are crucial. Every club. Yeah. Every club. Yeah. yeah. We've got. We've got the best. We've got the best system in the world for producing kids to play NRL. And we've just got to be better out. So I don't mind losing Jerome Hughes if I kept Reese Walsh, Brandon Smith, and Sean Johnson. Yeah. yeah, but if you lose them all, then yeah, what's going on? And that's yes. what's happening. Yeah. At the yeah. That, yeah, that's my that's my 
because yeah, that's the that's the beef that I have, and that's the maths about the success that they've had. Why it's a little bit fleeting because of the yeah. we've let Daniel go, we let Ivan go. Like fuck, Ivan in two thousand, we should never have let him go. No, mm. we've got him on next week, we could, and yeah. that's, that's kind of one thing we want to ask because there's always been stories about. That and as I said, that's another conversation we'll have next week. But there's always been stories about whether he wanted to come back to Australia or whether he wanted the longer contract and the Warriors didn't. So we're hoping we can get uh, the the truth straight from the horse's mouth next week. Um, yeah. Because yeah, it, it, it's one of those things that whenever you talk about what are some what are the you know the three biggest mistakes that the Warriors have made in the history of the of the club. Number one always comes back to letting um, Ivan Cleary go, and number two comes back to letting Ali Lauatiti go. Well, if you look, if you look back, Daniel's if Daniel Anderson made one mistake. If you look back now and you think, yeah, but see, that's Daniel. I think Daniel owns that. Yeah, I think relationship. And also, yep. I don't know if Daniel's ever got on and admitted it, but there's enough talk to know that that. See, the beauty about Ali, Ali was a franchise player. Yes. Oh yeah. Everybody, everybody in the fucking world knew that. Why didn't our coach know that? Is that another reason Daniel maybe left? I don't know. It's a, it was a, weeks after a, it. Yeah. He, yeah. Weeks a, after that. A, and there's a consequence of the buck. Yep. So there's another consequence. of I'm getting a little bit. <laughs> it, it's it's sort of like how would you have handled that differently? Knowing what we know now. So yeah. Daniel doesn't get the Daniel doesn't get the justice of life, but we now know. Ali Lalatiti, you know, and I tell you what, if we're all sitting there at the time, so for instance, I'm sitting in the room, I'm Daniel's recruitment guy, fuck Daniel, don't let him go. Yeah. All the brothers aren't going to play well once he fucking goes, and tell you what, he keeps four others in line, you can't fucking let him go, even if you don't, you know, I don't give a fuck how lazy he is, I don't give a fuck if he doesn't train, he's the best back rower in the competition, so that's that little group of people, that little, your best, closest five friends, and we've all got little communities like that, but that needed to be better. Yes, hundred percent. Oh, absolutely. Jeez, that's a it's <laughs> a, a rabbit trail. Yeah, <laughs> but that's a, it's a, it's a great discussion. And, and as as Emma said, like we'd love to continue that next year sometime. Um, yeah, have a, have a full uh, chat with you again about like retention and recruitment because it's yes, yeah, yeah. So as you as you said, it's it's probably not something we've done so well over our twenty five years. So yeah. Um, but just back on you. Uh, speaking <laughs> <laughs> back to you. Um, your first we love the Warriors. That's what is yeah. beauty about the Sorry, it's a, yeah, that's right. That's what I, I love the Warriors. I love everything about it. They're my team. They're, they're you know, I can come over for 50, 50 teams. Yeah, that's I, I sit back and I cry. I cry and I laugh and I and I feel everything that we feel. Yeah, so do we. We well and truly feel <laughs> your pain, mate. We yeah, it's yeah. it's not called the roller coaster for no reason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but you you made your uh, Winfield Cup debut 1990 for Parramatta in round two in a loss to the Brisbane Broncos, which would have been a fairly handy Broncos side back then. Probably had your old mate Wally Lewis in there and Gene Moles <laughs> and these guys. Um, do you have any memories of your debut game? I tell you what, that's a great, great question because I quite often tell young young players that it's worth it. The sacrifices. Um, when you walk down that tunnel, and I got to do it as a 27-year-old, so I've got a son in the grandstand that's, you know, that's three or four years old. I've got a wife. I got, I got, so it's a very, very poignant moment in my career. So it's not a test match, but it's fucking close. Yeah. But it, 
I definitely tell every other young man that every sacrifice that you make, every hill, every 400, every piece of blood, every hair on your body, it's worth walking down that fucking tunnel. You just, you get goosebumps. And it's, and the only other time was playing for my country. You mentioned, you've said uh, twice now that, um, you know, you were 27 when you came over to Paramount. So it, obviously first grade happened late for you compared to what a, a lot of other uh, people went through. Did you ever think that opportunity had to play first grade in the New South Wales Rugby League had kind of passed you by? I'll tell you, that's a great question, Mark. The thing is, that it only happened by bad luck. I didn't go on the 89 Kiwis to England and France. So I got the shit. So I, I left New Zealand and, and, and I left New Zealand not hating on New Zealand, hating on New Zealand Rugby League. I yeah. felt a tired Mark Waddle was better than no Mark Waddle. And I, I was wrong. So you shouldn't have taken me away because I would have been tired. But I, I felt like at the time being a young tw- young man. So I went to Australia to, to, to not to prove that I was still good. It was just so bad luck. I, I went, so Sam goes, why don't you come, why don't you come and come to Newcastle? And I went, fuck, sweet. And so, yeah, it was, and then, the, the, you know, to be fair, Two and a half thousand a year to two and a half thousand a game. I I trained my ass. I was a uh, I was a freak. Both I ran home from Dennis Fitzgerald's meeting. But yeah, it, it was yeah it was a late start. I was, it, and you know, there's another thing too. There's another layer to if I was if I had a young Mark or Rob at sixteen or seventeen, I know at twenty seven the strength and resilience that I've already developed over ten years. Yeah. So what we do over here is we prepare you for that. We prepare you for that walk down the tunnel, mate pat you on the back because, mate, we'll prepare you to walk down there and you'll be right. So it's it, at 27, I'd played enough games to know that I was going to be okay. I didn't have to win or lose. I just knew that I was going to be okay. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, like, you talk about the resilience and, and you know, the toughness and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I look back at, um, like, you, a guy like you making your debut at 27. Then there was a guy this year at Parramatta called uh, Makaheshi Makata. and. Yep. Uh, yeah, he was 27, made his debut, and he, in the in, in the games that he played, he was like the best player on the Parramatta. It was like every he made every post a winner, and he played like every minute was his last. It's, it's and that's the beauty about being that age because you sort of know that that could be your last. Not and, and and I'll tell you what, I know how he feels because if you play like that, it ended up being eight years. Yeah, every last every minute was my last. I, that's the way I played because I I didn't. Didn't mean to last that long, but I played like every game was my life. I knew how old I was, and I knew that I would be judged on every tackle missed, not every tackle yeah. made. Yeah, it's exactly. Really, it was a really interesting time, and fucking eight years, I was like, I still. Yeah, there's, there's another layer to that too. At the end of this too, if you want to talk about, oh, yeah, definitely. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, we ask all our guests this question. Do you remember your first uh, NRL try? Um, I, I, I sort of think it's the Roosters at Henson Park. No, um, not, not exactly. We, we, we do have the game here, a few reference. It was round five. Wow. You had a big win over Newcastle, 23-0. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yep. And Sterling yeah. killed it. Yeah. It is Sterling in an absolute blinder. Yeah. 
He must have done. It was 23 nil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was in everything. He was doing he was doing the defense for us. He was making tackles. He got the shits with us. I remember um Did Blake's gonna do anything? Yeah, I think he kicked the field goal too. Yep. Yeah. 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 Mate, speaking speaking of Sterlo, um, I was gonna say during your time at Parramatta, you got to play alongside two of Parramatta's legends, uh, in yep. Peter Spring and Brett Kenny. Um yep. What would they like to play alongside? Yeah, and again, another gift. So it's Peter Sterling and Shane Cooper, the same person. Yeah. That's the greatest accolade I can give Shane Cooper. So Shane Cooper had a career in England that would have been surpassed by, if he'd have gone to Australia, he'd have been Peter Sterling. That's yep. the greatest accolade. So I, I played with Peter like I played with Shane Cooper. It was that simple. No speed, just brain speed. Yeah. <laughs> just just intelligent speed yeah. it was just and you look at you think about that and you think man that was just he was just quick around the football field for the knowledge that he had and and yeah that's so peter was the same way brett kenny was just out and out talent so yeah. a bit like sean johnson so same thing just did not that sean didn't train but brett wouldn't have to train very hard because everything came quite naturally and i think it was called mr yeah mr natural whatever but yeah so again gifts just perfect i was um so it's funny that I end up with Stacey and a few of those Gene Arm and that later, but yeah, very, just, yeah, just amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Peter was, and mate, nothing of him. Same as Shane Cooper. Yeah. Mate, mate imagine if they had a gym in those days. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did, but the halfbacks weren't allowed in there, were they? No, no, days no. The halfbacks no. were 70 kilos, wasn't it? No, no. They, yeah, they, they weren't even allowed to go drive through the bottle loads. They had to go, oh. they, they could go somewhere else to drink. <laughs> but yeah um, they're wonderful players just yeah and i'll tell you what that era too i i quite often people say how'd you get Parramatta?" and i said well i got there when they started the slide yeah it was but peter Wynn, eric growth brett kenny and peter snarling like the knowledge and the fuck it's just yeah again just until so catching the start of stacy's was catching the end of peter it was really quite yeah. Yeah, that whole very narrative was, um, yeah, it was pretty bloody cool. Yeah. You ended up playing 14 games that season, uh, your first season at Parramatta in 1990, and you actually played 11 games straight. Um, so how do you look back on your first season in first grade in the Winfield Cup? Every every game every game was just under a test match. Oh, wow. That That's the level. And, and, and here's another conversation that'll be real, that'll probably get this that what i just said wayne bennett in uh, uh 1988 we, we we played australia in the world cup in 88 and this is a reflection of that story about first grade and test football yep. uh, we got smashed in the first game against australia and he and stephen kearney was the coach and we we're talking about some of the little fundamentals that we weren't good at and we really didn't really measure up in a lot of ways and wayne says you know what you're the best players we have to offer for new zealand and they're the best players for Australia, but it's here, you're playing NRL and they're playing test football. Yeah. You've, got, you've got to figure out what that is. Yeah. That's the difference between, and it's just below. So it's, if that was the best way you can understand, so if you can play NRL at a certain level, you can you can make that step up. It's just, it's only another hour and you, you'll play test football. So that yeah. was the that was the best way I can explain it. No, if you can play NRL, you can play test football. Wow. Interesting. Oh. Very, very close. Yeah. In um in 91, you play four of the six opening games and then you don't play first grade again that season. Was um was there a reason for that? Yep. 
I um, I tore my calf off my Achilles. Well, I made a tackle against Western Suburbs and Parramatta gave up on me. I, I had a real, it was a real tough time mentally. I was out for 18 months. Yeah. Um, the physios basically said my, my leg was pretty much wrecked. So I didn't get back till 92, round 12, I think 92. Yep. But it was, yeah, it was a horrible time. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, you sort of doubt yourself at my age. And, and I, I went through a bit of tough time with Parramatta. Players, Mick didn't let me go, but I felt let go because you're, once you're not ready to play, you're not ready. You're not ready. You're, yeah. It's a really interesting concept about that whole thing when players go to um, rehabilitation. So, yeah, I tore the – it's called the solace, but it's a, it's attached to the Achilles. Yeah. So I was in a, um, a cast up to my hip for about um, oh, yeah, about 10 weeks because I couldn't – they didn't operate in those days. That was a, It was an injury that would, had to be served time. You did it again in 94, didn't you? You tore your Achilles in, in 94. And yep. uh, I think you, you end up finishing that season in reserve grade, coming back through reserve grade. Yep. Um, you were kind of, I, I read that you were set to retire at the end of that season, but you felt that that wasn't the right note for you to go out on? Yeah, great. You know what, Mark? You couldn't have been more spot on. So I sort of I had a tough year physically. Um, and I'm so 94, I'm, I'm 33. Um, yeah, it just yeah, it just felt time to bow out. And because I played 17 reserve grade games, I didn't feel that was the right thing to do. So when I saw Ron Hilditch and he said, "Mate, you're you're unfortunate. We're gonna we're gonna let you go." So and he so yeah, I didn't tell me to retire. And I went mm, okay. He said, you want, "You want me to help you find another club?" And I said, "Well, you don't want me. I don't really want you to talk for me." <laughs> and Fair enough. And and just so. It's not about money, but that last year I was on 70000 a year and 1000 a game. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I'd got my house and I'd sort of set myself up. I thought to myself, I would I would just, yeah. And then just a little spark went, nah, fuck it. I'm not going to retire in reserve grade. So I thought to myself, I'll have one more year. Um, so I went down and met Steve Noyce, who's, who became one of the bosses of the General League. He was the CEO of um, Western <laughs> Suburbs and Tom Rodonigas. Yeah. So probably leading from 94 thinking I'm going to retire and, and then going, no, nah, fuck it. And that, that's all I basically did. And I went, no, I'm not going to finish in the reserve game. I've just finished in first grade when it's all Tommy. And it's not about money, but the, the good part about this story is that uh, Steve said, we don't have any money. And I said, I don't want the money. I just want to prove that I can play first grade. So I signed for $6,000, sign on. And I made that complete year $12,000 to play in the in 95. And I didn't play one reserve grade game, but I went, I was going to go out on my, I was going to go out on my own terms. And that's all I meant to do was I meant to, I was meant to finish in 95 in first grade. But we know that didn't happen either. No, we know that. No, no. Um, sorry, just quickly going back to your, your Parramatta stint, and you mentioned the legendary players that you did play with. Well, you had a couple of legendary coaches as well in Mick Cronin and Ron Hilditch. How did you find them as coaches? It's crazy. Again, it's it's like everything here. Everything is 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 a it's you know. And here's the funny thing: I, I wouldn't I wouldn't give up Brian Tracy. I wouldn't give up a guy called Laurie Stubbings in the Waikato because yep. you you know you sort of that's what prepared for you for. But yeah, Mick Crane was amazing. You know, Ron was really tough on me. He was an old back row front row. He was he was really hard on me that year. Um, yeah, probably we probably didn't finish on good terms, but. Just yeah, I can see the game. Played for Australia, um, and Mick was uh, 
he was a natural too. He was a bit like Brett. So we had systems there. We didn't have plans like you have today. You don't have set pieces. It's just, mate, you should be able to play. Yeah. And that's how we played. It was really quite interesting to um, to go over there and just say, okay, this would have sets, we'd have exits, we'd go in, but it wasn't like it is today. Like I'm at Penrith at the moment and our pathways, I've got fucking nine colours on the football field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, there's only one colour in my day. It was green. It was the grass. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mate, yeah, just, uh, I was yeah, I was gonna go on. What were you gonna say? Yeah, it's just interesting that whole thing, yeah, from just being able to play the game naturally, and that's the way we would to you know, when I finished with John Money in '97 and today it's like, yeah, so we've got black, grey, white, light blue, and dark blue. So you think about the football field and where you need to be on the football field and the sort of mindset you need in a football intelligence it's yeah it's crazy it's pretty it's pretty bloody cool yeah it is um talking of um legends of the game you, you mentioned it before you end up at west uh being coached by the late great uh tommy radonicus who was a a true character and a legend of the game how was that experience being coached by tommy he's the only coach that's ever rung me in my eight years to see how i was but it, the beauty about it he was always pissed when he rung me and it was all <laughs> and two two funny two funny stories so the, the first one was we got beat by the warriors um and we did they'd use that extra interchange oh, and, uh, oh, and nobody got yeah nobody yeah. got the points nobody got the points so and we found out almost straight after the game that we didn't get it and Tommy was mad at us and then he found out that they didn't get the points he said fuck we got on the piss that night and I remember him coming around the their hotel room completely nude like it's fucking crazy like first grade legend of our game just he got a cigarette out of, out of his mouth and he's just a, a, a fucking crazy man but to die for you know if, it was, if there was a coach that you'd die for he was one but he rang me in the morning and the funniest thing he asked me he'd ring up me go hey alright how you fucking going? I said, good, Tommy goes, what are you doing? I'm thinking to myself, it's four o'clock in the morning, you fucking... <laughs> I'm in bed, Tommy goes, yeah, fucking went all right, son. <laughs> <laughs> he probably rung me three times to tell me, you know, on the piss, just, yeah, how, how good I was. I, I um, One really funny story, we played Penrith at Penrith Park and um, Brandon Pearson tackled uh, Gerds and, and they had a bit of a set to and, and, and we were leading 12-0 at the time at Penrith Stadium and um, there was a bit of a ruckus started and I, and I got right in the fucking middle of it and I, I reckon I punched the fuck out of about fucking five Penrith players and I got put in the bin twice in the game. I might have been, yeah, I think twice. And anyway, I've, I think I've cost us the game. We ended up getting beat, but long story short, we, um, we have a team meeting and, and nothing said after the game. We got beat and I'm thinking, fuck, I've cost the game because I've, I've just I've carried on like a fucking pork chop. And I probably, I think, got been three times in my whole career. Anyway, we, we get to the team meeting and he says, all right, fucking stand up. I tell you what, you fucking bastard. He said, you're the only tough fuck in this team. The rest of us can go get fucked. This is a fucking man. He's fucking sticking up for the fucking team. The only reason he's not a fucking loser, the rest of you fuckheads are. He just could carry on with like it. I'm fucking, I'm standing there going, yeah, you fucking soft <laughs> oh, yeah. And one other story, just funny enough, we, we played the Dragons at uh, the Sydney Cricket Ground, and it was a commemorative of um, the Western Dragons' heydays after summons and North Roman, and, and we had all the grapes lined out. Anyway, long story, we get fucking beat. And so here's another little story. Gordon Tallis, 
he takes five of us over, Glenn Grief, Brett Stewart, uh, me, Cherry Masher, one other. And, and I still remember this fucking day. He scored uh, over the top of us. And, and, and who the fuck is that? We didn't know who it was, but it was fucking Gordon Tallis. It was 95. Anyway, long story short, we, we get fucking beat. Tommy's filthy. He's grabbing jerseys, his commemorative jersey. We went out of camp. He says, you fucking soft cocks, you're not allowed this jersey. So I hit in the toilet at the Sydney Cricket Ground because he wasn't going to get my fucking jersey. I was too scared. <laughs> He was that mad. He was taking your jerseys from you. Yeah, he was. He was. He, so Terry Messi's dragging guys on the ground. You're not getting that fucking jersey. You can't keep those fuckers. And so I took off. I fucking hit in the toilet. He wasn't happy the way we played. Wasn't even getting beat, but he was mad. He was. He was. He was great to play for. Honestly, other than that, you know, those really cool moments I'm talking about. You yeah. You, and we just missed the. We just missed the eight. We just were really just close. hair breath. Yeah, yeah nine. Yeah. Really close. I, I remember it well. You you guys were a really handy side that year. Played some good footy. Um, yeah, I remember and, punching yeah. Greg Alexander in the head. <laughs> <laughs> and then you played with him the next year. <laughs> and, he, and he said to me, he said, mate, you punch me this. And mate, you're all position. And I'll tell you what, too. I'm not going to throw the, the guy under the bus, but I was protecting another guy in my team. And I said to him, I should have protected him. I should have punched him in the head. <laughs> you're a good bloke. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, it was, yeah, as you said, a great, great year for West and you played every game that year. So you, your decision to not retire must have really felt justified then. Well, it, not only was it just, yeah, I, the layers of it. So I played 95. Um, they gave me $40,000 to play 96. Sorry, it's about money, but it's interesting because of that whole 70 to, the, 70 to 6 so I go away with the Kiwis in 95. Frank yeah. goes, I need you to come on board. We've just, there's a little bit of culture that we need to tidy up. And, and I thought, are you sure, Frank? He said, yeah, sweet. He said, but I'm not going to pick unless you deserve to get picked. It was just a great, just a great reason to go away. And I hadn't played for the Kiwis since 1990. And we went away and we just got beaten by here in the, in the World Cup. Mm. And then Frank says, you want to come home and play? And yeah, I was, yeah, it was, yeah. It was over a hundred thousand dollars to go home and play. So I went from seventy to seven to over a hundred thousand, and I would have gone home for nothing. I would have, yeah, just the yeah. just the opportunity to go home and yeah, sign for ninety six and ninety seven. So it was a really beautiful time of my life. So, so World Cup, a new generation of players that I was going to be playing with the next year. I had, I felt like I had the respect for them by what I'd done at the World Cup, um, except Brandy. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it was to go home, and that was the perfect finish. It was, you know, it was the right team to finish. It was my team. It was always something very special to me. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was crazy. Just we should have won a World Cup too. Yeah, mate. Um, oh, what happened? Yeah, they, you had a drop goal, and it shaved the post. We still oh. think it went over. He did a yeah. drop goal and it shaved the post. And, I, and I'm still fucking there and I'm going, it, yeah, it, it went over. I, I should have got, yeah, I felt like it went over. Richie, Richie had a shot from the sideline as well to win it, didn't he? Yes, 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 he did. Yeah, and of all the goals that he missed in his career, yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Mate, um, speaking of the Warriors, uh, you said how you went back to them in, in 96. Um, your first game for the Warriors was in round two, a victory over the uh, then Illawarra Steelers. What was it like being home in New Zealand playing at Mount Smart Stadium as a Warrior for the first time? Um, I don't know a word, better word than just it was right. Yeah. 
it, it was it wasn't a it was I was playing in a black jersey. It just happened to be in Warriors colours. Yeah, yeah. It just it just felt the right. Yeah, I was at I was at home, and home is always still home. I've been here for thirty one years. Home yep. is home. Yeah, that's the right jersey. It was the right time. I would have finished in '96, but I, I went, I went okay. So they, they signed me again. So yeah, it was, it was perfect. It was the right place. It was the right time. I don't know how to best give a better word for, yeah, just trying to calculate that narrative. Yeah, I, yeah. John Money was great. Ian Robson. Everything about the joint was it was it was really it was that was the standard that that we needed to keep meeting. So we yep. had some Australian people, whether it's a Steve Price or a Kevin Campion. It was, again, just getting the right amount of people, the right village of people to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, aside from round one that year in 96, you played every single game for the Warriors, and you, you're like a fine wine. You just kept getting better with age. Jeez, I tell you what, that's, I've never thought of. That's probably the best way to I, – um, yeah, I, I love what I did. I was um, – yeah, it's crazy because it's um, – I, I, I came back and played here till I was 41 mm. for nothing. I just, I love what the game had given me. I, and, and there's a lot of us would be the same way. It's not, not in a desert island for the gift that rugby league gives you and the, and the opportunity that presents itself and the lives and people that you change. But yeah, I, and I always felt too, that Jersey and that whole, it was like, um, it wasn't a New Zealand Jersey, but it was, it was you know, a country's Jersey. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just, Fine wine. I never thought that's man. Fuck. I've buried a red. I've buried a red somewhere. <laughs> you said. Um. You, you said before we before we actually went on there. You, you made an interesting comment that you said you weren't there in '95, but you still felt part of the whole beginning of the Warriors. Yes. Yeah. Uh, to get the jersey number, so I got player thirty, and I still love that number. And not to be disrespectful, I have a West number and a Parramatta. I don't know what they are. Yeah. They're in the hundreds. And, I'd, and I'd, I'd love to tell you, mate, but I didn't research that that bit. <laughs> and I never have either. <laughs> yeah. I think I think you need to be in the first 100. And that's and that whole 95, I was there. I was there in spirit. I was playing my part at Western Suburbs. Yeah. I felt like every time I took the field in New Zealand, I wasn't playing for the Warriors, but I was playing for New Zealand. It's an interesting concept when you think about the sort of people that we need to play for the Warriors. Those yeah. are the sort of narratives that we need when, when we got kids to ask kids to stay if you, if you want to go play for print do it you yeah. want to play for new zealand that's you this is the this is the club you need to play for well i mean you know it's important to to guys like myself and rob um you know i mean we said before we went on air or might have been just after we went on air that um we actually connected through that little uh appreciation post that we did uh, a couple of yep. weeks in regards to you and your just your time at the Warriors and just a little thing that's something that we're doing with for you know a lot of our play, uh, male players and our female players um, because for us as fans it's important that we recognise those that have paved the way for the others that are playing for our club now and those that have laid that foundation and we've had two hundred and sixty five guys play for the Warriors. Um, over the over the since their inception in '95, and some have played, you know, like uh, Simon Mannering's played 301 games, and you've got awesome, um, like uh, Carl Doherty who played one game, you know. But they're yeah. equally just as important yeah. as every, every other person that played for our club. And um, yeah, it's I, I guess um, yeah, what I'm trying to say is that we just appreciate everyone that has pulled on that journey. 
um, and played with pride. And we feel, um, yeah, really honoured that, you know, someone like yourself who's who um, played back in those early days and was part of that, you know, that those initial years at the club. Um, years, yeah, yeah was, was, is, is here chatting to us today about um, his career. It's... Uh, I appreciate it, Mark. You and Robert was there. Like, it's... <laughs> We, you know, we, it, it is a family. It, yep. it's, you can't sort of underestimate or underplay that term of endearment. That So the good clubs here have it, and we have it. We've got bucket loads of family, the whānau, or what that looks like. We've just got to get the magic right. We've just got to get some of that magic right, and we'll have un, unlimited success. We've just yep. got to get the magic right, but you can't. You can't ever deny, even when we're not doing well. My, my, um, I got a sister that you know, she's a club supporter. Die, she's, but we, we love it. So yeah, it's very, very. Yeah, it was really. I wouldn't say important. It was, it was just bloody cool to come home and yeah. play in that jersey. And, and yeah, it was, it wasn't a black jersey, but it was pretty bloody close for me. Yeah. Mate, that year, um, you played both of your former teams in the Eels and the Magpies that season. And you're victorious in both those games. Um, those are games that players talk about that they really like to get up for, aren't they, when they come up against their old clubs? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I scored a try against Parramatta too. I was going to say... Oh, you, you nailed that one, yeah. yeah you know There's only one one particular try. Uh, I think I might have got it off Stacey. Or might, yeah, got it, I think I might have been either Gene Arma or Stacey, and it was just open spaces. I didn't have much to beat. I had a really – Scott Mann, I think, was at the back. I still remember because it was really important when I scored. I didn't say fuck you, Parramatta, but it was just important because it was two years later when they thought that I would probably should retire. And, and, and in all respects to that, that narrative too, it was probably – most guys that don't have a brain would probably retire at 30, 33 or 34 because it was, it was, yeah, it would have made sense, but yeah, it was a little bit of pride and, and yeah, yeah, it was, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> that was your first try in Warriors Colours too. Round seven versus Parramatta, mate. Mount Smart too. Dennis came over too, by the way, just to, just to, just to put another fact in that. He came over for the game. Yeah. Who did? That, Dennis that Fitzgerald. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ronnie was coaching. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah nice. <laughs> well, well, from your first try in Warriors Colours to your final try in Warriors Colours, um, in fact, in your career, it was it was round 18, 52-6 to six, uh, victory over the Cowboys. This was the first time the Warriors had ever scored 50 points. Do you remember that game and, and, and the sort of the, the sense of that milestone there? At the important was that, was that at was, home? It was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, shit. I don't remember scoring against them, but tell you what, that's our boy because it's 50. 50, yeah. yeah, 52 to 6. It's all, wow. all a heap of records. I think some of the records still Shawnee, stand. Shawnee Hoppy got a few, four tries or something. He would have got, I think he did. Gene Namu yeah. scored 28 points that night, and that record yeah. still stands equal. I think uh, James Maloney equaled it for 28 and, points in a game. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll tell you what, it was a. Um, that was an interesting year because I felt like we deserved to be part of the competition. It's interesting that 95 and 96 were formative years, but they were important to establish us as a real, as a real force. And then you look at 2002 grand finalists. It was, yeah, there was a lot of magic in those early years. 
Yeah, there was. There was. Yeah, and, and both years we were very competitive. Tonight, like obviously ninety five, we missed out just because of those two points that we lost to, um, against, against your Magpies. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then in ninety six, we fell just short. I think uh, had a bit of a, uh, yep. a few a few losses again. at the end of the season to finish ninth or tenth or something. It was, but we didn't. Um, we didn't have. We didn't have. It's funny when you think about twenty five players, and it's not until you get older and you realise about programs that. It takes a village to win a comp. So mm. you don't realise it wasn't, we had the first 17 or 18 or 19, but we didn't have 25. We didn't have 30 yep. players. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Your your final season playing rugby league is the 1997 Super League season. What a strange year it was for all rugby league fans, obviously with the Super yes. competition. How do, you, how do you remember that period of the game? It, it wasn't fair. It was, wasn't fair to the, for the fans. But it was fair to us. We got money that that now has it's continued on. I don't I don't think it should be about money, but Stacey Jones deserved better money than they were, than we were getting. And the Super League made the ARL fight for that whole pay rights. Mm. It's almost like we played two competitions, to, to, and that was way, our way of striking. Yeah. So yeah, it was just it was an important time to get the maths right. Was an important time, even though we're talking about this like now about million dollar contracts and stuff. But that Super League war with the ARL, there was only a certain amount of players getting that money. There was only so when you think about what I described, I was yeah. I wasn't underpaid. I was I was nowhere near what a certain players said. That really brought to the fore the money that players and wages so we had a minimum we started getting minimum wages and those sorts of things insurances where we go to today where we've got concussion tests and i think the super league war was, was still the bad guy but i still think it's important that it it created a, a movement of clarity around money wages making sure that we had a voice because the players weren't really it was cattle yeah, rather than than, a, than, a, than an actual an actual voice, but yeah, it was a cool year. It was mate, the it was like we went from um, the outhouse to the penthouse too. From from we were doing all right in '96, but mate, the way you travelled and the way Super League treated um, players, it was uh, it was amazing. It was a it was a it, you didn't I, I don't I didn't play for the All Blacks, but I think that's the way we were sort of treated. It was really quite a so better hotels, better travel. Um, just better in a better way on planes. Um, I felt like yeah, it was probably a time that we became more professional, and then we've, we've obviously that's carried on for the rest of the last twenty five years. Yeah, yeah. You retired at the end of the ninety seven season. Your final game is a fifty to twenty two defeat of the Cowboys. Um, was there any ever any thoughts to continue, or you just knew that that was it for you in like professional rugby league at that time? I'm, I'm mad, Mark. So you, you know, with that smile on my face. No, I wasn't retiring. I was going to go to England. I um, I had a deal at a uh, to go to Wigan, so I was going to go to Wigan. And oh, play. okay. Yeah, and then um, they got a they got they got a bit of value out. Tony Mestrop was playing at the Broncos, and I was going to get a um, I was going to get a fairly good contract to go to Wigan. Frank was there, so it was um, yeah, I was going to go to Wigan play one more season. So I would have would have played one more. Um, but I didn't, and it, it was probably in hindsight, it was the right thing to do. I, I came back to Australia, went back to work and, and got on with life. But it's, 
Yeah, it was only a, I was only a phone call. Mestrop took the spot that was free, um, the quota because you know there was quotas, quotas in those yeah. days. And he was good. He was a good player. He was ten years younger than me, so you got to you got to you know you got more time with with a player yeah. like him. But I didn't I didn't say no. They, <laughs> they, they, they said me. <laughs> So although you eventually retired from playing, um, you, you, you were far from finished, though, with the sport. Um, is it true that uh, the Kiwis and Knights legend Sam Stewart uh, got you into coaching? Yes. Yep. So we um, Sam started with um, Tony Camp, and even with the New Zealand Rugby League at that time, they recognised, and this is, the, this is a little bit of an annoying part, that the conversation that we're talking about now, when the Warriors come in a little later, that we're still not, the, this whole pathway thing. So, yeah, we were recognising, Sam recognised in 1998 that we had players in Australia that were born and bred here, might have been first generation, a, a, a Rob or a Mark that was born in Australia that was Kiwi parents that could go back and play for New Zealand. So we started bringing players home. So we had Frank Pritchard in upcoming back. He was a Samoan heritage. But, yeah, we started recognising. So we started pinching their players. Yep. The Kalis, Kalis boys as well. Kalis Boys, perfect yeah. example, Rob. Yep. So that's what we, we, that was New Zealand rugby league, but that was Sam's initiative. We, the pinch and let's go pinch theirs. And was was uh, Brent Webb? Was he um, because of he'd been living in New Zealand for uh, yeah, residency, residency, and, and yeah. he did. Yeah, he was he after two years, you could change, and that's the beauty about that whole time frame too with the Warriors. He, I think he's indigenous, but he was my. He resonated with our community. He, he was, he was fucking. He was a Kiwi. Yeah, two Mason years Bain. was enough to hit him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Willie, it's, Willie Mason didn't think he was though. <laughs> <laughs> David Kibble said he was. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, you know that. Yeah, it's, it's just interesting times. It was. I remember. I think that's that. Final the 2006 that whole Brent Webb, all those guys. I think they were one win away from being the greatest ever Kiwi team. Yeah, mm. really try nations 2006. Yeah, Darren Lockyer and I think Jonathan yeah. Thurston. Yeah, like extra time, not... double double extra time or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mate, you um you got involved with uh, Parramatta's development programs, um, and you and your wife Millie actually took on a house parenting role as yes. uh, part of that. Tell us. Tell us about that because um, it's something that a lot of clubs do, isn't it, with the young players that are coming through? Yeah, it's a it's a great system and it's a system that should be. I think they adopted it a little bit at the Warriors. I'm not quite sure if they do it. But it's, it's called up, house. It's called Carmen house. And did it for a while for the Warriors. Yep, yep, yep. And they came out and did it with the Roosters as well. Mm. They did. It's, it's it's a really interesting layer to development because. If Mark, if Mark comes over, over as a 17-year-old and he's homesick or he's not happy, he'll go home. So what they try and provide, and Parramatta did it the earliest. So it was really quite quite cool. So me and Millie got invited in by Kevin Wise and John Hutchinson. We started in 2003. We ended up doing it for Penrith and the Roosters in Parramatta for about 12 years. Yep. But it's a really interesting layer. Probably not the most important, but it's a bit like that Tenzing Norway where he, you know, Serban Hillary gets the rights to go up, but you feel like you're part of someone's journey. Yeah, it's a really interesting layer to it, but yeah, it's a great concept. It's really important that yeah, that we come over and or a player comes over and there's a, a Kiwi parents. It's uh, it's yeah. a but yeah, we we did that. 
Brian Smith was, so I started coaching there in the under-17s. I brought a couple of teams home to New Zealand. I ran into a Sonny Bill Williams in 2001. That wasn't hard to be figure out how he was going to go. But yeah, <laughs> we're doing coaching, house parenting. And I, and I and I look, honestly, I've probably done that now for the last 25 years. And I'm still doing a little bit of, not the house parenting, but I'm doing pathways at Penrith at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, that, that brings me to my next question. After 12 years at Para. Uh, Gus Gould lures you over to Penrith through a similar pathways program. Gus is a, a very influential man, isn't he? Yeah, he's his knowledge, he's all the information that he has in his brain. Like it's yeah. there's, there's three people in that brain. Yeah. It's, it's and that's the knowledge that he has. So all all aspects, not just you know, he's won a comp. So at, at his age, I think he was 28 when he won the comp and, and even as a player. So but all layers of rugby league, all the ingredients that make up a player. So he know, he has an inherent knowledge of all that. So yeah. yeah, he got well if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have gone out there. I wouldn't have dropped Paramount and gone to Penrith if it wasn't for Gus. And Ivan was there too. It was perfect timing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mate, you won't you won't remember this, Mark, but you and I actually crossed paths uh, back in uh, either 2015 or 2016 um, through the Harmony Cup program. So my youngest yes. son is my youngest son came and trialled with the uh, New South Wales Maldi side uh, under 16s. Um, unfortunately yeah. for him, his work interfered with his opportunity. We were living so far away because we were training at um, Girraween, over at yeah. Girraween. Yes. Uh, and he, he wasn't able to, to get to trainings. He, uh, you know, work interfered with that. But he spent a couple of weeks, the initial couple of weeks, um, really, uh, and it really awakened... Um, uh, it was a real awakening for him for his culture. My yep. side. Um, tell us a little bit about those uh, New South Wales Maldi programs. Wow. Got to go back to uh, 2008, New South yep. Wales Rugby League. I'm doing coaching. I'm um, still at Parramatta. Um, they wanted to start a development program around pathways for all cultures. So they called it the Harmony Cup in 2008. So everybody got involved. Well, the eight teams, not everybody at that stage. So, you know, Fiji, Tonga, Samoa, Māori. Yep. And, and it just grew. It became a very, yeah, it just became a beautiful, um, a beautiful way for players to acknowledge their culture. And I think the first layer of that is identification. So, Mark could come in as part Māori, part Samoan, part Tongan, whatever you are, you would you would you would pick your harmony side, go play for it. And and with that too, one of the parts with being Māori was you, if you could fuck a puppet back, you're Māori, you're, you're part of it, and then education. This is the sort of um what you could expect if you want to go on and have a rugby league career. The other thing too is we also wanted it, you didn't have to make it to make it. So you identify with being Māori. We educate you with whatever you, but you don't have to make it to make it. Just be a good person, and so yep. there's a lot of layers to that. So, yeah, that we still do that. I'm chairman of New South Wales Māori now. That's my age bracket now, and yep. there's a guy. My son's part of it, uh, Luke Goodwin. I've got a guy, Stevie Bristow, that I coached in 2001. He's uh, there's all these different layers, men and women. We're doing. Um, we're going to do clinics next year. It's a first start of that. So yeah, it's it's a it's an amazing thing, but it grew out of that whole idea of just pathways for cultures, and then it's it's just grown to all the cultures. And I guess when you look at the all stars, there's a pinnacle for Māori to 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 yeah to to get to that. So we're just another layer under that. It's it's a beautiful um, 
just the meeting the other day, identification's important. You can be any denomination. You can sit in this room as long as you fuck a proper back to Māori. Yep. And then we'll give you some tools. We give you some tools. That's if you've made Penrith or Parramatta, we can give you some intimate knowledge about, you know, what a position and where you're playing. And, and also just around what it might take. That little adage about um, work ethic, you know, if you get paid 10 bucks, give them 12. That's the same thing. So if training's at seven o'clock, turn up at quarter two, he'll notice. And if training finishes at eight o'clock, leave at five past. Yeah. So we give them some really important uh, tools that we, we think they can use. And, that, and they're things that are taught by my parents. So it's, uh, it's just really just passing on a little bit of education. But yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry about you young fellow with that. Cause that's oh, a, mate, it was, just, it was just one of those things. He, he left school at 15 and... Um, he was playing, I think he was playing in Alicomp that year. Yep. And then he um, he was being coached by a guy called Sammy Eismunger, who used to play at the Sharks. Uh, and, yep. yeah, and we I took him over and, um, yeah, mate, he was there for a couple of weeks. He, he absolutely loved it. Um, yep. I remember his first training session and uh, all the boys get out on the field and, um, and everyone greets everyone with a hongi and he come back after training. He goes, Dad, did you see me hongi, everyone? I'm like, yeah, right. Awesome, mate. <laughs> Yeah. That that in itself, Mark, is why we do it. You know, there's another there's another ingredient that you just give so appreciative identification. Yep. A guy said to me probably a little bit earlier than your 2015 with your son. He said, "Why do you do it? It's identification. It's just as long as you're, you're Maori, you you don't, you don't, as long as you fuck a puppy, you're back your Maori, and then the rest we the other tools, and we've just got better at those other tools." You want to yeah. be a carpenter, we'll help you. If you want to be an electrician, we'll help you. If you want to be a yeah. rugby league player, or you don't have to make it to make it, just be a yeah. good person. Yeah, so it's, I, yeah, it's. I came through playing like junior footy in the late '80s. I was uh, graded at North Sydney and um, uh, came through like their, I, I suppose you'd call it their junior league, their pathways. But back yeah. in those, there was nothing out here um, in regards to um, being you know, a part Māori being able to yep. identify my culture. Yep. Um, yep. So, yeah, it was a – as soon as he had the opportunity to be able to do that, it was something that I was like, yep, go and do it, son. Um, and, it, yeah, it was, a, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience for both of us. Um, you know, I'd sit there, watch him train every night and uh, all, all the all the mums and dads would be there. And, yeah, it was, a, it was a really, really good experience. And it's a shame he didn't – he wasn't able to go on with it. Um but I have got my. Uh, I did buy a, uh, my New South Wales Multi uh, under sixteen shirt, and that hangs up in my closet. That or hangs up with all my Warriors gear, quite proudly. Well, give Give me your address, and I'll both send you some New South Wales Multi our current stuff. Oh, thank Just you, bro. Your address, no, both yours. Yeah, no, yeah. Look, you know, we 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 Mark. Honestly, it's a it's a again another reason, and you can't be any more. We feel privileged that we can be part of other people's. Like I said. Like just yeah, helping people find some find some sort of solace and where, wherever they are in life, and and that part too. Your son's gone away, and he still identifies with Big Māori, and that's 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 really beautiful. It's a why we do it, why I'm still hanging around, and I'll, I'll probably leave this in a couple of years. But there's some you know, we're talking Luke Goodwin, Bryce and Goodwin, my young fellow. There's a, some really it's going to be left in some good hands, but that's the reason we do it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got a couple of New South Wales my stuff too. But you'll get my shirts. Yeah, sweet. It's um, it's one of those things. Like we've we've got this platform that we kind of created by mistake. Just two blokes yeah. who <laughs> FaceTime each other during COVID and thought, let's let's do a, a webcast and see what happens. And here we are today. But yep. uh, the 
beauty is that we've got this this platform that we can actually use to help promote and advertise stuff. We do a lot of stuff in regards to the NRLW and particularly the yep. Warriors here. So yep. we'd be quite happy to for you to be able to use our platform as well to advertise stuff for the New South Wales Maldi that's coming up. And beautiful. Uh, so you know, it's awesome. all about yeah, it's all about networking and creating those kind of uh, uh, relationships. So yeah, we'll be honoured. We've just, we've just figured out too. We've got a lady on board that's probably half my age that we didn't we didn't know how to do Instagram properly and Facebook, and we've realised our Facebook group. Fuck, would you believe it's been private for ten years? Oh, it has. <laughs> and, and Stephanie's just come on board. She goes, guys, you've had it on private. What do you mean? What does that mean? <laughs> said, well, why don't you fucking see it? <laughs> I noticed. I got actually got a notification probably about a week and a half ago that it came up. The New South Wales Multi Rugby League group is now public, and I thought, oh, yes. okay. <laughs> that's the we all sat there we just went fuck oh really uh. <laughs> there's that so we're really yeah it's yeah it's just yeah again over here it's, this is my this i can't be home so this is this is my yeah i feel like this is me and my wife and with all our boys have moved out i've, I've got a grandchild coming in february too so i can't wait for that my oh no yeah, the first muckle, so yeah. <laughs> that's when the fun time. Oh, I can't wait to terrorize my son because yeah, I'm gonna give him back. He's gonna swear, yeah. speak the mighty <laughs> words. Just yeah, yeah, he'll he'll have uh, bad manners. I just can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the perks of being a, a grandparent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, a- yeah. <laughs> Uh, just going back to the, the role that you mentioned before where you were fucking um, the Kiwis talent identification to seeing what players are available and uh, eligible to represent New Zealand. Yep. Um, I guess there's, there's quite a few challenges these days because you've got a lot of guys, like you, you mentioned, like first, first generation Australian born to Kiwi parents. And there was yep. like a few guys back then. There's even more now because a, a lot of young Polynesian kids are either born here or came out here in a young age. Yep. And I guess they go through a system and then there's the sort of the lure of state of origin um, there as well, which I guess the like the Kiwi test jumper is sort of up against as well. Is, is that a sort of a challenge there? Yeah, you know, it, 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 yes, it is. So he, here's the beauty about this conversation. So I know um, Andre Ponga, Kalen's dad. Yep. So split merits, not uh, so, yeah, uh, split cultures, Jerome Luai, um, dad, Simone, mum's Māori. So you're right. There's a there's, there is a real need to get to Rome at 15. Yep. There's a real so don't wait for Kalen to play for Queensland to figure out fuck he can play for New Zealand. So for me, the New Zealand rugby league. <laughs> again, another layer to this. Get off their ass. We've got to have we've got to have a satellite office here in Australia. Yeah. So there's an, there's enough of us ex Kiwis here to pick up. Oh, Mark, he's 15. Oh. You're Maori, oh, you're Samoan. Always, oh, you know, you can be Samoan heritage, Tongan heritage, Cook Island Maori, and you're eligible to play for New Zealand. Yeah. So the way I see it, guys, is it's that simple. So we can't wait till they made it. Yeah. So I saw Jerome Luai in the All Stars last year, and I said, "Hey, how are you feeling about the decision you can make?" He said, "I don't know what to do." I said, "Do what your heart tells you to do." I said, I, I played for New Zealand because my heart told me to do it. You just decide what you want to do. Yeah. We can't wait to that conversation. Mm. No. I've got, to get, I've got to get you at 15, bring you along to a Māori program um, or, or a development camp and, and 
And the, another another good layer of this was um, another ingredient was we did uh, rookie camps with Tony Kemp. So right. I think Mutu Tony is the guy now that does development work. So what we used to do was we would recognise so Sam Cassiano, um, I think it might have been the Marty de Powers, all these guys that were over here that were first or second generation kids of families, Kiwi families. We've got to establish a, a satellite here. So it's great that we're back home and we've still got to fix that. I still think, you know, I'm being a smart ass here. There's still, I know what they need to fix. Yeah. And, they, and they've still got to fix some stuff here. So that layer, you Jerome would have played for New Zealand if you had got him at 14 or 15. Yeah. You know, that's, it's a big statement to make, but you can't wait till Jerome's playing for Samoa and then the All-Stars because the lure of origin is still the greatest game here in Australia. You're right. So my greatest jersey was a black jersey and my next one is my Warriors jersey. We've got to get them earlier. We've yeah. got to, you know, if he met, if he met, so, you know, I would, um, Stacey, uh, not Stacey Jones, Sean Johnson, I would, um, uh, Jerome Hughes, um, let's go to Melbourne. Yeah. What does it mean to play for New Zealand, Jerome? Get them at 15. Yeah. Yeah, get them earlier, recognise, identify. But they can still be in the system there. The Australian clubs won't do the fucking work for the New Zealand rugby league. So don't expect them to put him in a black jersey if he wants to play in a blue jersey. He'll yeah, do what Mark... Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> I agree. I agree. I'm at a pathways now. I've been in three pathway programs in Australia for the last 30 years, and we prepare them to play for whatever country they want to play for. So yep. fuck it. Get off your asses in New Zealand. Not you guys, specifically, obviously, but the New Zealand rugby league. Get, out, get some people over here. And that, but there's, a, there's about, I reckon there's about five of us that would do it for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. For the pride. Oh, for the pride. 100%. Well, you know what? No, fuck it. Not pride. Because I want to see kids play for New Zealand and play for Origin. I, I was at a school for nine years. So we, we were there. I was watching kids come in 11. Yeah. And they're fucking Māori, Tongan, Samoan, great kids, and they fucking want to play in blue jerseys and maroon jerseys. Yeah. Fuck it. Get off your asses in New Zealand. Yeah. Come over to the schools. There's about four or five of us in any school program. Sorry. I'm swearing a little bit, but I get so frustrated uh, that right, it's right on their doorstep here, but get them. Go meet mum and dad early. You know, and you sorry, if you see, if you see, if you see, if you see mum and dad at 12. And you meet Sean Johnson or you meet Jerome Hughes or Jesse Bromwich or Jared Rira Hargraves or Joey Manu, you won't want to play in a blue jersey or a maroon jersey. No. Uh, yeah. You got James Fisher Harris out at Penrith. We've got all these wonderful players. Yep. And it won't cost you money, but what, what it will cost you is to get off your fucking ass in New Zealand and get, and get over here and get a presence. Don't worry about the swearing either, mate. We had Jazz Tavunga on here. He, he, um, oh, yeah. beautiful. Man. Love him. <laughs> yeah, love him as well. And, mate, there's, um, and there's a guy that, yeah, there's a guy that you, you'd bring, you know, hey, God, Jazz, this guy wants to play in a blue jersey. Oh, fuck off. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what he would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He'd, he'd add a couple more words in there and one would start with a C. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mate, um, family-wise, uh, we spoke a, bit, a little bit. You've, you've got three sons uh, that all play rugby league, uh, with Justin obviously being the most well-known. As, as an ex-Bears player, we grew up hating Manly. Now, you played at both Parramatta <laughs> and West, two teams with a similar rivalries with Manly, particularly um, like Parramatta with their 
semi-final rivalry through the, the that mid-80s period. Um, and then West with the whole Fibros and Silvertails rivalry. Tell me how an old Parramatta and West stalwart reacted when his son came home and told him his daddy was signing for Manly. So the beauty about the story, he, he fucking couldn't come home to me. He had to <laughs> ring me. <laughs> so I, I know this is going on. He said, Dad, I've done it. I've signed with Manly. I said, oh, fuck, okay. He goes, you okay? I said, yeah. He said, I hate Manly. I don't hate you. <laughs> and I, that's exactly what I said to him. I said, I hate Manly. I don't hate you. But I, I wore a Manly hat. I wore a manly polo. The way that he looked after, they looked after Justin and just his career there, I couldn't have been any happier. But yeah, it's exactly what I said to him. I hate manly. I don't hate you. So I'll be okay. <laughs> and it, it, it took me a couple of games, but the way, yeah, that whole side, just the chemistry that they yeah. have. Yeah. yeah. All, all three of you boys, Justin, Jaden, and Jordan, um, played at Belrose Eagles in the Sydney Shield in this 2020 season. Wow. Um, it must have been easier watching them all play when they're in the same team. You know what, Rob? That was that was the funny thing about that story was we we wanted to do it in a in a multi tournament, and it sort of came about by Jaden was already there. We talked about Jordan playing, and I said, "Guys, why don't you try and put it together?" And then Justin said he could play. So it was it was a chance for them to play together. Yep. So the beauty about it, it happened, and it fucking and the, and the next week the comp stopped. So we, I got to watch my kids from the grandstand play a game of rugby league, um, and it was beautiful. Can so I ask, what, was that was that at um, the St Mary's West uh, yes. Stadium? Played St Mary's. Yes, I was there that day. Wow, it's crazy! It was so cool. We took some photos down there. It was like it was like a test match. It was beautiful. Yeah. For us. Our grandmother was there. Um, and the beauty about it, Mark, is that they liked it that much. They're going to go play A grade at Glenmore together and, and have a have a season together. Nice. It, yeah, it is. It is. And and it wasn't till they played that game that the middle one, Jordan, said about how much he appreciated. He said, "Oh, Dad, it was." We had a little chat out there. There was a there was moments out on the football field they'll share for the rest of their life, and we shared them. And it was just so it was like the catalyst for, "Hey, let's just go play some A grade together." So I'm going to go out and watch them play A grade at Glenmore Park, and and it's, it's beautiful. Didn't one of them score that day, or score two? Yeah, Justin Justin scored and Jordan and Jaden scored. Yeah, no, Jordan scored. Jaden did. Yeah, because yeah. um. Yeah. I went out there. That was actually the last. You're right. It's, the comps pretty much stopped straight after that. That was the last game of live footy I got to see this year. I went out there to watch um, the North Sydney Bears women play the St Mary's women, which was the game before yeah. the boys yes. play. Yeah. So um, it was it was very cold. Um, James Fisher Harris was there, sitting in the stands watching the game. Yes, uh, he was. So yeah, it's good. It's it's good to go out and watch um, uh, grassroots and park footy, mate. It's great. Well, now that you're over here, I don't have to send it to New Zealand when I'm thinking about it because it's Rob in New Zealand and you're both here. No, 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 no I'm, in, I'm in Brisbane. Yeah, yeah Rob's oh, in Brisbane. Brisbane. Okay. Yeah, I'm born in Fred, Sydney, mate. Um, oh, so we're going to have to, at uh, least, we'll have to catch up for coffee. That's a, that's a no brainer then. Yeah, Absolutely. sure. And Absolutely. I'll just you know, put your address, Rob, for, your, for, for the other t shirt. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Thanks, mate. Yeah, it was a great, it was a great afternoon, Mark. It was, um, it was, yeah. They got the win too, didn't they? No, they got, no. They, 
No, no, it was um, it got it was, it was close for a little bit, and they stand up bouncing away. Um, who did Belrose play? It was one of the better sides. Um, Samir, right? yeah, they ended up by yeah. about twenty points. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wasn't important. My two yeah. sons scored. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mate, um, what's on the what's what's on the horizon for you now with with rugby league? Um, have the the past two years of COVID affected the pathways programs you've been involved in in any way? Well, it stopped kids coming over from New Zealand, so it really probably allowed us to you know protect what we have back home. I did some stuff with Penrith this year in our flag, and now I'm defence coach for under 21s at Penrith. So okay. I love that. I love defence. That's my genre. That's that's what I'm good at. So um, I'm I'm still a Kiwi selector, New Zealand Test selector. Yep. And, and with the Māori Rugby League, so I got a few on, but I, it's just all yeah, just it's just crazy stuff. The good thing I think now that we've sort of got some. There's some sunshine coming, so it looks like we're going to have a lot of football. There'll be a lot of, you know, the woman will be back. Yeah. We'll have test football next year. Um, we'll have Māori football next year. The pathways is is probably always something I've enjoyed because it's, like I said, right from the start, I came over at 27, and I can only imagine what it would be like to be 16 or 17 and, and not have anybody that have your back, like an Uncle Mark or an Uncle Rob that could yeah. uh, take care of you and, and maybe prepare you for what's ahead. But it's a... Um, yeah, there's a lot. It's really cool. So coming out of the virus too, I do a lot of work for a company that we have a COVID disinfectant. So yep. it's been a really big issue with us. So seeing it in one aspect from work and then from the whole family, not being able to see my, my kids as often in the last 18 months, two years, and then sort of seeing some sunshine with the rugby league. It's um, yeah, It'll be very it'll be very interesting, this whole new... Um, this next um, variant looks like it's yeah. scaring a few people, but oh yeah, I think it's, it's something that's going to be around for a while, isn't it? That we're, yeah. we're just going to have to to yeah. adapt, you know. Well, um, the, the next the next one that's already you know, the, the storyline is that it's not as not as dangerous, and yeah, I still find that it scares me that it's the vulnerable and the elderly elderly that it takes. Yes, that's just not fair on life. It's it's a, it's a shit compass when you think that if you've got some underlying conditions or you're, you're over 70, this could this could take you. And so I find that really disconcerting. But with that, you know, we've, we, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting ahead of it now. So I'm ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Are you are you involved in the um, the Baldy All Stars um, team or the selection of that team or um, the preparation of that team for the All Stars game? I finished up the last year, so 2021 was my last year. I've had four, I had four years of it, 18, 19, 20, and 21. Mm-hmm. I finished on a draw, but I really loved it. It was a really important part of my life. It was, uh, it's, it's in good hands. It's just, yeah, it was time to give other people a chance to to be. And you know what? It's that that format. I think the oldest culture in the world plays the youngest culture in the world. Starts yeah. rugby league every year. I think the that mechanism. That you know, rugby league is is started by um, those two cultures. I think it's really, really bloody cool. And now that it's going to be at Conway, so it's yeah. going to open the season. And yeah. it's a great game. It's a great spectacle. You know, to, to be on the doorstep of it for the last four years has been very. I've been very grateful. But I can sit back now, like everybody else, and and just appreciate what you know, appreciate it. So that um, uh, Maori Harker they did last year for that um, All Stars game. That was one of the best. That I've seen that whole 
um, you know, start in the circle, then they split off into their uh, groups and um, perform the haka afterwards. It was, uh, that was spine tingling stuff. The, the, the beauty about that haka was it was, it's been, uh, it's got developed over the three or four years. So we started it in 2010. Oroki developed the haka for us when we played England in, in 2010. And it's just escalated. The beauty about the last one we just did was to bring faction. So yes, in a nutshell, hey, I'm from Tainui, I'm from the North Island, I'm from the middle of the South Island. I'm from yep. so that whole, and then to come back and represent Aotearoa. So yeah, that narrative was, it was an amazing to see us prepare for that. And it was, yeah. was that, and I think when I think about the team that took the field to the team that should have taken the field, that was, that's a reason we drew. You know, when you think about yep. the All-Stars team, we lost, we lost one on the day of the game and six, we lost six Melbourne players. Yep. Fucking mm. six premiership winning players, yeah. you know, five days out from an all-stars. And three Warriors that weren't allowed to go and play. Yeah, and you forget about Cody and yeah, and all those other boys. Yeah, yeah, Cody, Chanel, yeah, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, one more question before Rob uh, gets on to some rapid-fire questions and, and so forth. I promised a, a young kid at work that I'd ask you this question. Um, because you, you were coaching at Glenmore Park Brumbies. Yes. Uh, did you coach a kid called Riley Atwell? Yes. Yeah, okay. So Riley oh, works with me, yeah. So um, when he found out that I had you on tonight, he's he goes, a centre. Yep. Yeah. Playing halfback at um, the Londonderry Grays. No. Yeah. Halfback? He's playing halfback, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah, I coached them under 16s, 17s. Yeah. Yeah. He's a tough bastard. Yeah? I won't tell him that. No, you've got to. Riley Atwell. Yeah. Yeah, it's just I mean, a small world, Mark. I know it is, isn't it? It's just a, like pathways crisscross. Chris, Chris and um, yeah, that, yeah. That, was like, that was last year. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was okay. one of my favourites, too. There's a few kids that I could tell. He, he knows I was, I was here. He was one of my favourites. Yeah. I won't tell him that either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he got kid. some money to go there, didn't he? Didn't he get some money to go to London, Mary? I don't know. I'm not yeah, sure. I think, yeah, I think he took some money. I think he got some money. Actually, he did. Yeah, actually, he did. He did. Uh, he, he let me know. I'm pretty sure he let me know that he was going to get some coin. I couldn't give him the coin. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Rob, take it okay. away. Okay, mate. I'm going to ask you some rapid-fire questions that we ask all of our guests uh, while Hammer here scrolls through the plenty of comments that we've been getting there's been some I, fantastic people really appreciating the chat tonight and you're mate, you're gonna you're have so to, open and honest yeah you're gonna have to do that bit as well because okay. i think from my where i am okay no problem i can i can do that so i'll ask yeah. you the rapid fire ones and then after that i'll go through some of these questions here um but mark who was your toughest teammate mark carroll oh carroll oh no no my toughest teammate teammate Peter Johnson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he used to yeah. wear headgear. Yeah, he'd wear headgear. He, was a, he played a bit of rugby, came through. Yeah, he was made of concrete. And just, yeah, tough. Crazy. Rob, tough. Rob keep going. I'm just, my phone's going to die. I've got to get a charge. Yeah, up. yeah, too easy. I'll keep going. Uh, who was the best sledger? Matthew Ridge. Matthew Ridge, yeah. I can believe yeah, that. I, when I was playing for uh, the Warriors, when he was still at Manly, he told me to get behind the goalpost when they scored a try. 
Yeah, right. When he was lining up a kick. Yeah, he was lining up the kick. He said, get behind the fucking goalpost. Oh, Ridgie Ditch. <laughs> it was a great sledge. And I had to. I had to go sit behind the goalpost while he kicked the goal. Yeah, right, I suppose, yeah. Uh, who was the biggest pest? Pest. You know who was hard to look after was Stacey Jones. Yeah, right, Stacey. Okay. <laughs> Back in, his, yeah. back in his young young days. Yeah, yeah, in his younger days. You got to remember too. Right? He was twenty years old, and um, I think yep. when I came board, yeah, he probably wasn't a pest, but uh, yeah, we just meant to make sure we had, he, he got home okay. He was always okay. just yeah. People want to have a beer with him, want to have a chat to him, and ah, yeah, probably okay, yeah. probably yeah, they had to take care of him, look after him, address him a few times. Yeah, right. Oh, he would have been popular, especially being the new kid on the block and the young sensation back then. Um. Yeah. Toughest opponent. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I thought, I thought Mark Carroll, but the other one was Dave Gillespie. And his Ooh, nickname Cement. Cement. Yeah. yeah Cement. He, he punched me in the stomach to tackle me once. Punch in the stomach. Yeah, it's a Brookvale Oval. I'd done a bit of footwork on him, and I'm pretty sure it was the Warriors. And I and I did a bit of footwork. I got onto the outside of him, and he's punched me in my solar flex, and I've just dropped. Ooh. He was playing for Manly. Yeah, yeah. He punched me in the stomach. Yeah. Yeah, right. Oh, fucking man, he was, yeah, good nickname. We were both guys, yeah. You run to a guy and his nickname Cement, so that was a test of intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, who was the most professional in regards to game prep? Oh, probably Peter Sterling. Just just the gift, yeah. It was quite simple, you know, with the body that he had, just, yeah. Um, you know what? Reggie wasn't too bad, too, when you think about the end of my career at the start. Um, Andrew Leeds, some guys just, yeah. you know, they're just very tidy, very, very, you know, just very tidy, bag, everything. Had to be in a certain order. But, yeah, just, you, know, you, you sort of look at those sort of caliber players that I just talked about. They just, you could you could tell that they would be very particular. That's probably a better yeah. word. Yeah. yeah, neat. Okay. Who was the best trainer? I was. I was good. I knew yeah, you. You. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> that's, that's fair enough. I was, yeah. I was, um, I, I would run, I, this is a cheeky thing I used to say, I would run second to 10 different people. Yeah. So yeah. I would do, if we did 10 200s, I would run fucking second t- 10 times, but oh. I'd have fucking five different people win, win it. So yeah. yeah. I loved training. I was I was mad. I, I loved it. it. Was it was my? No one's ever not played first grade because they were they weren't they, they were fit. Yeah. But yeah, it was just yeah, it was a yeah. Uh, who the two was a team comedian. Oh shit! Shane Cooper. His nickname <laughs> was Sticky. Um, Daryl Williams. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tinker. Yeah, Tinkerbell. What a nickname for a like trade player. Oh, Tinkerbell. <laughs> yeah, we had it, mate. There was a lot of clowns. Yeah, there's Wayne Wallace. Um, yeah, there's a few. Yeah, uh, Dean Lonigan. Oh yeah. Uh, fuck, he was a pest too. <laughs> I, was- I, remember, I remember being in a uh, Auckland team and he, we were rooming together and he said. Um, and I, I, I had a starting position because he was injured, and he said, "Hey, I'm fucking back. Don't get fucking, don't get comfortable." <laughs> he was lying fucking beside me. Guys <laughs> <laughs> in the white coat don't say that to each other. 
Uh, who was the worst trainer? You know what? I, I wouldn't have said. Oh, so I should have. It's hard. That's a hard one, eh? Yeah. No, I'm not going to throw any. Uh, I'm going to throw any Kiwi boys under the bus. There's Good. a few guys that didn't have to train. Mm. Can you be mean? You can't be mean, can you? Brett didn't have to train. Some guys didn't have to train. Brett Kenny yep. didn't have to train. You'd, you'd be just natural. Mm. Um, Shane Cooper maybe, didn't have to train. Maybe not the worst trainer, but who would be the guy that would try and get out of training the most, I guess? Make excuses. Joe, Joe Vuggener. <laughs> yeah, Joe, could, could, Joe. Yeah, Joey, Joey could pull a hamstring. With it, with oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Joey well, could pull an hamstring. Mate, while, while he's uh, looking, I've got a couple. Um, did you, were you a superstitious guy? Did you have any like pregame rituals or a game day routine that you followed religiously? Just just one particularly, mate. I wouldn't eat on the game day. Okay. Yeah, I needed to be hungry. I don't know why, but I didn't. I think I might have ate twice in 500 games. Wow. But I felt I needed to be hungry to, to be, yeah, it was really weird. That was my only. Um, I had my socks up. I locked my socks up. Didn't lock my socks down, you know. But other than that, I didn't eat on games. I, I no matter how much my dietitian told me that day would be great for me. And as you get older too, you know, you probably should have cornflakes. But fuck yeah. it, I just yeah, I was you know. And um, who were your rugby league heroes when you were growing up? Uh, I, I played against one Wayne Pierce and Mark Graham and Ray Price, all back rowers. Yeah, just yeah, just perfect. And I and I. Ray Price gave me man of the match in 87. He came up and sat beside me and he gave me the two UE man of the match. Well, two, yeah, two UE, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I told him he was my idol, so. <laughs> That's crazy, yeah. Just And Mark was, yeah, Mark's, Mark's not easy, but it's, yeah, just crazy, crazy. Yeah. Mike Harrison uh, said, uh, Phil Gould and Brian Smith tried to put the pathways together. He says, Mark is passionate. Bring him home. Yeah. Um, we could wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, yep. And he said, and, he, and Mike Harrison also says, your brother Shane was a handy winger, mad dog. <laughs> my, my, my brother was, and just shows you about the, the friendship and, and relationship we had. So I just knew, in, in, I just knew where he was. I could, I could, I could, if he could be on my right and I'd be looking left and I would know to pop the ball up. So that's the attitude. And, and with the Kiwis, we had a really great sense. And, and you know what? You can't tackle what you can't catch. No, that's, yeah. yeah. I did all his defence for him, though. <laughs> he fucking figured out a way to step out of the way and I'd have to catch the bloke that fucking that beat him. Uh. <laughs> Our good mate, uh, Johnny, saying Sammy Stewart and Tony Kemp, legendary Randwick Kingfishers. Yep. Um, and Ted Clark says, Kia ora, Mark. My cousin, Mano Tairi, has been part of the Maori Rugby League for many years now. Yes. So Mano's our... Um, yeah, he's a... Um, yeah, just, just an elder. So he, yeah, he himself and... and been part of that whole pathway so he was probably one of the inaugural members of about 98 that started it him and his wife helen are very similar to us me and millie so yeah mano, mano tyree yeah beautiful man yeah he's a yeah, he's a co-martor so he, very very important person as far as yep. our role for our maori do. yep uh christian asks who was your favorite player growing up 
I tell you what, I've you know probably Mark Graham. I watched them for five years and then ended up getting to play with them in a, in a World Cup. The other guy that I still think is unheralded that didn't get the accolades, even though he went to England and played about ten seasons, was Shane Cooper. Yeah. I played against them and I used to love watching him play. He was just amazing. Like I said, a bit like Peter Sterling, that same type of player that you they could do your book, they could do your a bit like Cameron Smith, they could do your bookwork and then and yeah. fucking beat you on the football field. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah, really interesting type of player. When you think about their their, their body body makeup, it's crazy. Yeah. Dave Stevens says you've made Jazz Tavunga look like an absolute choir boy tonight. Um, <laughs> abs- you're absolutely on fire, though. Um, he, he said this whole interview is the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. And oh, we can, there's a lot of people saying how great it is to hear how passionate you are about the game in, in New Zealand. And, yep. and about the Warriors and the, the, the Pathways program. So there's a lot of people just sort of saying, like, we've got to get you on board. Yeah. So I think it's definitely worthwhile having another chat about all of this um, next oh, year again. Yeah, absolutely. That, um, that, that, sorry. Yeah, no, sorry. I was just going to say, Caden Rogers asks, who is your favourite Warrior of all time? Himself. Yourself. Oh, Jesus, tell you what. You'd slap me, Mark, if I said myself. <laughs> um, shit. There's look. I, I, it's a it's a bit of a tie. Um, like Stacy Jones, um, Richie Blackmore, and 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 Sean Johnson. I, yep. I think I wouldn't separate them. The things that they could do in the game. You know, you you talk about a general, and you talk about the speed and, and talent of a Sean Johnson, and you talk about your Kevin Iroh's Richie Blackmore was the iPhone 13, so he was the next yeah. version of it. Yeah, just wonderful players. You wouldn't separate, you wouldn't separate those guys. All right. Another comment from Ted Clark. I remember back in the day watching Mark, his brother Shane, Tukeri, Barlow, and Beaumont Dawson on a Saturday afternoon at Restville Park at Hamilton City Tigers carved up the competition. That, that's a, so that's, yeah, pre-86. Um, so from uh, I was 18 playing men's football in 1980. And then yeah, that whole, yeah, so Beaumont Dawson and Tukuri Barlow, they, uh, shit, they would be 15 years my junior. But so both those guys were fantastic players and they probably never left I think Tukuri ended up doing some stuff in Australia, but gifted lock forward and not to be a wanker, but both gifted lock forwards are much better than me, much better. Yeah. Just ball playing back, back where I was just gifted. But yeah, just wonderful talents. But that's a, yeah, it's a, that was an amazing time because they just come into the Tigers. Um, Dave Stevens says, were you good at any other sports growing up? Or you, you answered that one. Uh, yeah. Wrestling. <laughs> Just to give myself a wrap, so I um, I was a New Zealand champion as a 13, 15, and 17, and I went to Chicago in 79 to represent New Zealand in the Junior Worlds. Okay. Yeah, wow. And That's, Dave, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Greco-Roman wrestling, Mark? Yes, yeah, so I was a Greco-Roman as a style. Um, I did amateur. So Greco-Roman was a, a particular style, and it's pretty much what we do in rugby league. So it's basically uh, carries, holds, and hugs and stuff. Yeah, so it's all upper body. Yeah. Uh, Dave also asks, Spud or the Chief, who would you least like to have running at you at full speed? Ooh, fucking both. Or <laughs> 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 well, Wiki off the back fence. Ruben Wiki, yeah. I've tackled them both. Yeah, Ruben, <laughs> fucking. That's, that's, so that's a test of intelligence. We, I got paid to do it, so if I wasn't getting paid, I wouldn't do it. 
yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh. Yeah, mate, look, look, yeah, everyone's very appreciative. Look, some some fantastic comments there. Really enjoying the chat, and um, yeah, as I said before, your passion. Um, yeah. For the pathways program, so we'll, we'll organise something with you next year, mate. We'll we'll have to get you back on, and we'll talk about Absolutely. how we can. Yeah, we can well, the good thing too, what we're doing here too, yeah, what we're doing here, we can, we can, you know, make make some noise about what we think, and it's a, all it is is just a bit of magic in the right places. Yeah, you know what we've been we've been doing this now for like eighteen months, and we've been very lucky to connect with so many um, great uh, current and ex Warriors players, and it's funny because we get this. We get this. Uh, no talk ever, or no chat ever ends up the way that I anticipate that it will. Uh, they, they, they never do. Like you think, like we, we go through and we we do our research and we get our questions and we kind of look and think, oh, you know, is this going to, mate? This has been one of the best ones that we've 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 done. We've really enjoyed it. Um, we I want to thank you for coming on and, and chatting with us so candidly. As I said, we love being able to connect to our past players and give you guys a platform to share um, your stories. We have a saying here at um, at Ruin Hammer that. Those who have played for our club are forever and always. And you, Mark Otto, are forever and always warrior number 30. Thank you very much, Mark. I'm very, always very privileged, number 30. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. No worries, mate. It's, it's definitely, been an absolute honour, yeah. Yeah. Where, where are Thanks. you? What are your city are you living in? Are you still out Penrith Way? Yeah, back in Parramatta now. Parramatta, okay. I'm yeah. over, like, Liverpool area, so I'll, I'll be in touch, mate. We'll catch up for a coffee. 100% Mark we'll have yeah. coffee and before Christmas yes bro yes definitely most definitely awesome. alright thanks Mark yeah. really appreciate Th- thanks time. again for your time we really appreciate your time and for having a chat with us and yeah we'll be in touch and we'll get something organised for next year as well yeah. thanks Mark thanks Rob no, awesome Send no me your thanks brother thanks, thanks mate cheers oh well Again, like you, you said it, you nailed it. Like every chat, you, you don't know, um, you never know how it's going to go, and nah. it's, it's just the stories and the can I tell the you experience of these guys and, and, and the, their vision as well. Doing this, doing this off my phone tonight, so I've got nothing else except I can only see you and Mark, and obviously myself. It's it's I've kind of forgotten that we're actually gone live. Yeah. I, I, it just felt like one of those intimate conversations with a mate. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a wonderful, wonderful chat. And like yeah. you said, mate, they never go to plan. Like they never go as you anticipate, do they? No, no, absolutely not. And like that, that was just this is little the little tangents that we went off on, and then we started talking about warriors pathways, and like that is such a an important topic. And like that would be a wonderful show to do next year. Mate, uh, I, early next year with him he works to talk Penrith. about it. Yeah. Works for Penrith and he tells us his team is the Warriors. Like that's just yeah. that's awesome, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's unreal. And it's so fantastic. I know I say this to you all the time, but for people watching, like it's it's really great to hear that so many of these guys that played for Warriors, even if it's just for one or two years, still there's something about the Warriors and that's still their team. Like, yeah. you know, PJ Marsh played 18 months for the Warriors. You see, he still supports the Warriors. Like pretty much... Yeah. Everyone else we've spoken to, yeah, um, it, it's it's a real special time in their career. And yeah, Michael Michael Witt loved playing at the Warriors. Uh, Michael yep. loved, you know, didn't want to leave New Zealand. Um, yeah, yeah. Justin Murphy. I mean, these, these guys yeah. are all still all still. Steve Price the Warriors. finished 
career there and, and live there for like another six or seven years, you know, it's, um, and for yeah. all these stories that you hear, I won't mention any names, but you hear from players that have had not such a great experience there that, yeah. who have maybe a, a louder voice or a platform. But then again, we can bring you the stories of all these players that are telling you like they just absolutely love their time there. Like listen to, to what Brent Tate said yeah. as well about his time there and what that brought. It was something different to what he got from the Broncos and what he got from the Cowboys as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mate, um, we'll get on to a bit of news before we uh, finish off for the, for the night. Um, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so um, released uh, the, the Warriors 2022 home jersey. Uh, much, much anticipated. Much anticipated. I think we're all waiting to see what it looked like, yeah. Um, yep, the uh, members pre-sale, the actual full release happening on the 6th of December, along with, uh, I'm led to believe, the, the rest of the merchandise range. Um Mate, you're a jersey nerd. Tell oh, us yeah. what's the, what's your thought. What's your thoughts on the jersey? Absolutely, yeah, I, I'm a jersey nerd for sure. And when I first saw it, I was a little, I was a little bit taken aback because I expected it to be pretty much exactly like the 2021 jersey because we know there's that two year rule. Um, but obviously, instead of a curved chevron, we had like that straight yeah. kind of chevron. I thought it was a very safe and traditional rugby league design. If I'm being honest, yeah, like a number of clubs have had that, but but what I thought was cool about that is it, it brought a traditional uh, sort of edge to the Warriors jersey. And then we brought our own sort of heritage to it, you know, by yeah. having it in the blue, red and green. And yeah. a, a lot of people have said that they're, they're um, glad that we have stuck with the traditional colours. And I, I certainly am. I'm a, I'm a traditionalist. And I, I, I love the blue, red and green and the white on the jersey. We, we um, actually thought um, that that was a... Uh, the jersey was going to be red because yes. of the, the the image that they released of the logo only, of the Warriors logo. You could see the red in behind it. So obviously it's just where the, the logo sits on the that V design. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts on the two Puma logos on the shoulders? Yeah, so this was brought up. I, I, I hadn't actually noticed until uh, we were having a chat with our good mate Brad Inger from the, yep. the standoff. And he goes, yeah, the puma the pumas are both facing the same way. I was like, oh yeah, and I was like, I thought, oh, it, they, I thought they would naturally they would have just sort of mirrored it, but I guess I, if there's an arrangement because it's a brand integrity and that kind of thing. Correct. So yeah. that's their brand. That's the way that their logo is. So they probably had a clause in there that it wasn't able to be altered in any way. Correct. Which I, I guess is fair enough. But for the OCDs out of all of us who are sitting there watching the two cats it's like they're, they're jumping across the across the collar there yeah um yeah it'd be interesting if if um in future seasons they do anything about that um i think in past years we had the puma logo on the slots on the sternum but obviously dtr right. would pay would pay a lot of money to have their logo there. Yeah. so have a look at the jersey behind you where the puma yeah, yeah, exactly so yeah, yeah so normally used to sort of seeing it there but obviously with dtr being yep. on board as a sponsor then that ships up to the to the sort of the shoulder shoulder area but um now, I'll, I'll... tell me um because they did after they released the jersey they released a whole heap of uh little close-up images of what we are led to believe could be the remaining jerseys that are going to drop now our good mate from across the ditch charlie ras yes. picked up a on a, where the Vodafone logo is on the home jersey that's blue around it, but yep. on the other item that they showed, there's a white, white. around it. 
he, he's a he's a real train spotter just like me charlie rasley yeah. charlie even more so than me like he's he is the jersey king and yeah we're hoping that we might be able to get him on next year um yeah. for a chat to go through all the jerseys and everything but um yeah, so he pointed out that you can see white around the Vodafone logo. So I'm guessing that uh, the away jersey, similar to this year, will be like an inverse. So uh, the blue will be swapped with the white. Yep. Uh, which is not, I love I love a good white jersey. Nice, clean yeah. white jersey. So um, and yeah, I'm and sure may- that one be a big hit. Maybe the heritage jersey could be a red throwback to the, uh, is it the 01 away jersey? The yeah, 2000 away jersey. Or as the heritage trip in 2008 for the centenary yeah. year. So I'd love that because I've got a real soft spot for that red jersey. I know yeah. it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I'm a massive fan of the color red. So yeah, it's one of my favorite jerseys. So yeah, he's hoping. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, moving on for oh, and the polo shirts. The polo shirts looked good. And the training oh. shirts. I mean, this is going to be an expensive year for a lot of us, I think. It is. <laughs> One of the things that looked really good with the polo shirt, the training shirt on uh, the latest lot of um, pictures was the fact that Sean Johnson was wearing them. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was about to talk about some uh, signing news from other clubs, but I think we should add the, uh, the announcement yesterday that came through of Jesse Arthur's um, yep. essentially on a one-year loan deal yes. to the Warriors. So he's, he's, he's currently on a two-year contract with the Broncos but he'll play out 2022 with us. What are your thoughts on that one? Um, look, if I'm, if I'm, let me start by saying there was a lot of people uh, criticising it on social media. Oh, he played shit at the Titans and he, should, he played shit at the Broncos. Uh, to which I replied, um, it's kind of a similar signing to all my thoughts, how Marcelo Montoya was going to be yeah. uh, up uh, when they signed him last year, I couldn't understand the signing. But Marcelo took an opportunity uh, to play first grade, turned it into a magnificent uh, season where I think he played 18 games for us. He was our clubman of the year. Um, so maybe that's all Jesse Arthur's needs is a, just a change of environment, a change of um, you know teammates and training structures. And if he gets an opportunity, it could be good. Uh, I think it's more of a depth signing. Yeah. And if I'm being honest, I would... As a, as a Warriors man, like people are saying, oh, you know, maybe um, you and Aitken could play in the back row. I think we've got an abundance of back rowers that you and I can, can go back to his centre position. Rocco Berry would be the other starting centre for me. At full strength, we'd have Reese Walsh at fullback. And Montoya has a hold on one wing and Wittenny Zelezniak on the other. So, But we all saw what happened with injuries this year. Mm, uh, that's right. So uh, not a not a bad signing. Craig Hodges did come out a couple of weeks ago and oh, a couple of days ago and said that we are looking for some outside backs. Um, but uh, our good mate Brad Inger did uh, talk about this on um, uh, put a, a post out about this and was saying yeah, I, and, and I agree with him. I don't mind the loan deal and I think it's going to be something that we see a little bit more of. And I'd much rather see guys. Uh, given an opportunity on a loan deal rather than have a dummy spit and look for an early exit from a contract uh, from, you know, from the club that they're already under contract for. So mm. yeah, that's my thoughts. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd agree with the majority of that. It's a, it's a depth signing. Um, as you said, yeah, decimated with injuries this year is another outside back. We're a bit thin in the centers. Yep. Um, assuming that Aitken is still, is going to be considered a back rower. Um, 
So, yeah, we, we'll see. And as you said, it might just be the opportunity that he needs. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. Master stroke. Who knows? Uh, let's move on to the Bulldogs. They're borrowing the Roosters' uh, headwear. There's salary. a new salary sombrero <laughs> team in the, in the league. Yeah. Gus, Gus Gould put together the Bulldogs under pressure with a recent 2023 shopping spree. Yes. Uh, the sign is Reed Marnie and um, infamously Viliami Kikau on yeah. huge money contracts. So the Bulldogs are now trying to ease the pressure of the of the cap with Nick Cottridge being uh, shopped back to the Raiders. Although here, today I hear possibly Tigers as well. Yep. Um, and then Burton, Pangai Jr., Addo Carr, Naden, Vaughan, Dufty, Asiata, uh, Burns. Uh, so they've been super active in the player market. They have. And um, yeah, like Kikau and, and Reed Marnie aren't going to come cheap, or they haven't. Uh, and you would assume, like, you know, Pangai Jr., Addo Carr are on big money as well. Um, yeah, he's, I don't know. It, it, it's interesting, isn't it? A couple of years ago, the Bulldogs were under like a salary cap breach and then they couldn't buy any players. And now Gould goes there and um, he's rung Uncle Nick and said, I'll wear your hat for a couple of weeks. Your hat. <laughs> yeah, passed, um, passed off through Sombrero. Um, yeah, so I don't know, mate. It's, it's interesting. Um, and speaking of the salary Sombrero, uh, the Roosters. Um, they announced that they've re-signed Joey Manu, which was everyone probably knew was going to happen. Um, but uh, the cheese, Brandon Smith. Has, Where's uh, the cheese? He's <laughs> signed apparently with the Roosters from 2023. Came out on the um, You Know the Rules podcast with uh, Ice. Um, Isaac with, John. Yep. Yeah, John. Uh, and was full of praise of the Roosters and Robbo and said he wanted to win a comp in that Roosters jersey. Which has caused some backlash with, uh, you know, many saying that it was disrespectful to the Storm. Uh, the Storm have said that. Buzz Rothfield said it. Cameron Smith said it. Um, I haven't listened to the podcast episode in full. Yeah, so I, me neither, actually. Don't know, I don't know the context in which he made that statement, but I don't see, personally, I don't see too much of an issue. Um, wouldn't every player want to win a premiership in whatever wear, jersey they yeah. wear? It's, it's... Like, if we asked Murata um, Niakore, who's playing for Parramatta in 2022, but signed for us in 2023. If he wanted to win a premiership in a Warriors jersey in 2023, is he going to say no? Yeah, you know? oh, no, no, maybe, maybe not. I'll, I'll just be happy to play there. Yeah. <laughs> the media beat up. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting old and cynical in my old age, but I don't know if it's just a media beat up. I don't really see too much of an issue. Um, I don't, I, but then they're talking about something that he said in regards to the culture at the storm. I don't know what, problems the storm have with their culture um so yeah and the, as i said joey manu officially re-signed by the roosters for two more seasons until 2024 he came out stating that there is no other team he wants to play for or could see himself playing for so i think that closes the book on yeah. even the 2024 season of joey manu uh going anywhere but the roosters but i can guarantee uh all during 2024 we're going to have the uh, we should sign Joey Manu uh, from 2025 stories popping up on social media. And just while you're talking about the cheese, I mean, there's still everyone saying, oh, like, what? what a sign him. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. Well, there is a multitude of reasons why we won't. And not the least of them is he says he doesn't want to. So no. if he doesn't want to sign with the club, there's a high chance that he won't sign with us. Look, you said, you said to me, we were talking yesterday, um, as we do, we talk every day. 
Uh, and the thing with the cheese where everyone gets this hype about him was that one little inf- interview he did when he was like 14 years old wearing a Warriors singlet. Uh, he was never in the Warriors systems. Um, he moved to uh, North Queensland when he was a, like a teenager. His whole family lives in Queensland. Um, yeah, he's, he has no links to the Warriors apart from the fact that he was born in New Zealand and he represents the Kiwis. Um, so, yeah, can we please... Please end the we should sign the cheese discussions. Um, yeah, it's 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 dead in the water, guys. Yeah, it's all over. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tigers tale of woe continue. Fresh off the signing of Isaiah Papali'i and Luciano Lailua signed with the Cowboys for 2023 to request an early release um, after feeling like he was disrespected um, by the Tigers or so something about. They were in the process of negotiating with Luciano, and then they paused that, and then went out and signed, signed old. Why did we let him go? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was. Leilu was asking for seven hundred fifty k. Yeah, and it, and it ceased, and then they signed Papali on seven hundred. Uh, yeah, six hundred. Yeah. Um, in 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 this obviously the same position as Leilu, and then the Josh Hodgson talks apparently ceased midway through as well. Yeah. And uh, Justin Tiger King Pascoe, the man with the really, really great hair, yeah, um, Joe, probably Joe, needs to go. <laughs> Joe Exotic Pascoe. <laughs> oh. uh, he's probably becoming a bit of a cancer at that club, I, I might suggest. He is. Uh, the latest talks today, though, because um, uh, just so that everyone knows, we, we do our notes the day before the show, pretty much like finalise them. Uh, but the little bit of news coming out of today is that... Um, uh, Jeremiah Nanai, who mm, uh, uh, yeah, is they're looking to do a swap, uh, Leilua for Nanai, and the Tigers are also chasing Helium Lukey. Um, mm. people will remember was the guy that back row that chased down Reese Walsh and tried to tackle him and kind of pulled Reese Walsh down. Reese Walsh hit him on the chest and then yeah, bounced, bounced back. back. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, Tigers, um, looking to be a little bit, um, active in the market but the, the josh hodgson uh one is a big miss for them because that's a that's a position that they're really lacking in is, is hooker um so yeah uh and just a uh, bit of news today the the warriors have released their first lot of membership options mm-hmm. so we have the new zealand fan pass uh which is available obviously for new zealand uh, members uh, for twenty five dollars. These are all like, non ticketed memberships. Yeah, yeah. non ticketed memberships. Ticketed memberships to come out in a, in a week or two. Apparently, um, just got to get confirmation from Daisy in regards mm-hmm. to that. Um, yeah, so we've got the the non ticketed New Zealand fan pass at twenty five dollars. We've got the non ticketed Aussie fan pass at thirty five dollars. And if you get on uh, the website and have a look at these uh, ticketing options, you will notice that. Um, on the Aussie Fan Pass $35 uh, ticketing option, you've got Hammer and his two daughters yeah. uh, as the the selling image. Um, and if anyone can spot my mum and dad in the background, well, they're doing really, really well. Uh, and then there's also a, a red zone uh, non-ticketed option, which is um, $40 or $40. $40.40 or something. Yeah. Something, uh, something like that. Which does get you uh, a ticket, I think, to a game yeah. at 
Daly Stadium. So a ticket to a game of your choice, yeah, out, yeah. out at Redcliffe Morton Daly Stadium. So yeah. it's like the old um, Australian memberships that they used to do, where you could have yeah. one ticket to a game wherever now, you want. Or before anyone asks, uh, from what I've been told from my discussions with Daisy and the membership team in New Zealand, there will not be a membership package uh, at Morton Daly Stadium, apart from that red zone, uh, that uh, that red zone fan uh, one that they're doing, the non-ticketed, they they can't do a ticketed uh, membership package at Morton Daly Stadium. Yeah. So I know some people are thinking, oh, I'm going to hold out and get the if they do, but they're not going to do that. Um, and I'm not sure what is happening in regards to the uh, ticketed memberships for our New Zealand-based fans for the five games at Mount Smart Stadium towards the end of the year. So before anyone starts asking, we don't have any info on that at this point in time. Um, but, yeah, those ticket options are available now. Um, so, you know, if you if you live in Australia, um, if you live in Sydney, get jump on that $35 fan uh, pass. If you live in Queensland, yep. you know, $6 and get a... a, a fan pass for the red, red fan zone or whatever it's called um, for a game at Morton Daly Stadium. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the one that you and I are going to grab, mate. That's uh, it, yeah, for sure. At this stage. Um, and, uh, and yeah, the merchandise to be dropped uh, late next week, I think it is. Yeah, uh, Monday. Yeah. Monday, is yeah. it? Six. Monday, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, upcoming chats. Well, mate, we've got one more this year, and it's a big one. You do not want to miss next week. Uh, next week will be our final Ruin Hammer show for 2021, and no better way to end the season than with 2021 Premiership winning coach and Warrior number 73 and coach from 2006 to 2011, none other than Uncle Ivan Cleary. He will be with us next Wednesday night. So, guys, put that in your diaries. You won't want to miss this. Um, it, Mate, it's going to be a fantastic chat. So much to talk to him about um, through his playing days, coaching days, and of course, uh, yeah, premiership glory um, this season. Mate, look, so looking forward to this one. Um, we have so much to discuss. I really hope we have enough time to get through it. Uh, that's the biggest issue is um, like going through all the notes. Like, uh, you know, he, he's played for the club. He's coached the club. He's now, you know, coached the premiership winning side. So we do have quite a bit to talk to. Ivan, um, I did send him an email uh, this week with the video clip of Kevin Campion telling the story about Nat Wood, uh, to which Ivan replied, because I said, can't wait to talk about this with you, uh, to which Ivan did reply, uh, yes, he's a, he's a lunatic. <laughs> could, have been, could have been the making of Nathan, uh, that, that whole incident. So it's going to be great. Interesting to hear his thoughts on that one. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but aside from that, too, this week uh, has been a big week for us in regards to a lot of ex-players getting in touch with us, um, following the success of the success of both our recent live chats and then those those um, player profiles that we've been putting up on a daily basis, honouring our our past players. Um, so we've got uh, both uh, George Gaddis, Robbie Mears, Henry Fatafili, Ali Lautiti, and the Lunatic himself. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll all be joining us early in the year next year. Uh, we don't have dates for that yet. We will advertise them as soon as we can lock in some uh, specific dates. Um, and, of course, 
you know, we'll continue to make those connections with the former players and uh, over the holiday break to bring you more of these interviews, uh, such as the one with Mark Otto tonight, uh, that yeah. everyone enjoys. Um, yeah, it's been yeah, it's been a weird ride, hasn't it, mate? It has been. It's been crazy, but so enjoyable. And like you know, chats like tonight just make it all worthwhile. And I think are you still there? You still yeah, there? mate. Yeah, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I yeah. got you now. Yeah. Um, it's only fitting that we end with a technical glitch as well. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm off my phone, so it's probably lagging a little bit. Um, just a just reminder to everyone, too, that uh, Ruin Hammer are on Patreon, uh, our membership platform that enables you, our loyal followers um, of us, uh, to um, uh, subscribe to us and um, help us with all the content we provide by signing up for a monthly uh, subscription. Um, Patreon supports multiple tier levels, as we say every week. Suits all budgets, and each tier level will have its own rewards and benefits. But for now, we've just got our basic bronze tier up and running. Yeah, that's right, mate. And it's through your generous support from all our, our Patreon supporters it allows us to to bring you um, the show every week. We, we The overhead costs that we have, for example, with our Zoom license and, and normally with Restream, which we would normally... Um, be using when we glitch yep. free and um, so it's a big thank you to you guys because you help us bring the best possible product um, to you guys each and every week so we really appreciate it you can head to our patreon page um, to show your support and subscribe to our bronze tier set at the lowest amount just three dollars a month um, which is you know next to nothing and we've also partnered with Torius uh, screen print to reduce a range of merchandise which will be available um, early next year sometime soon so we're wearing a bit of a bit of a sample of what you can expect there from some of the Ruin Hammer range. Yep. Um, so keep your eyes out for that. And, and a lot of that, the merchandise will be exclusive and Patreon only. So they'll be available because we'll be, we'll be launching a silver, gold, diamond, and platinum package as well for you subscribers. So different options as well that you can always upgrade to. Yep. And uh, they'll be available only on Patreon. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And um, we'd like to thank uh, all those uh, people who have subscribed to our Patreon bronze tier program so far and they are daniel delore peregrine falconer sean kerswell uh, nicholas mccurcher mary carter fabian moroa siela afamasanga stevie williams christian catley alf tuolave tk harris ted clark Inamete, lisa marie bateman ken wills nigel phillips and kane fraser we thank you all very very much and we appreciate your support yeah, absolutely. We, we, we really appreciate your generous support. And as I said, like it, it keeps us going and, and it enables us to bring the best possible product for you guys as well. Yeah. Uh, don't forget, if you do miss any of our live shows, you can always catch up on our Facebook page by going to the video section or you can go to our YouTube channel and you can catch up there. Um, the easiest way to find our videos, though, is head to our link tree, um, which has the direct links to all of our live guests and special presentations. And don't forget on YouTube to hit subscribe. And so you'll never miss any of our stream content. Doesn't cost a thing, you know? No, unfortunately tonight we're not streaming live to YouTube. Um, yes, we are. But because, I'll get this up on YouTube uh, yeah, during the week. Yep. Because one of us did have some technical issues. Um, that would be me. Uh, yeah, so, um, and for those of you who don't know, the best way to find our link tree is via our... Uh, Instagram bio. So if you follow us on Instagram, go to our bio, you can click on Linktree and in our Linktree has got 
every video that we've done, uh, every interview that we've done. It's got links to our Patreon. It's got links to uh, our web podcast on Spotify. And it's also now got links, uh, direct links to the membership packages um, on the Warriors website as well. So, um, you know, if you if you want to find, uh, you know, the best package for you for Warriors membership, follow Ruin Hammer and head to us on um, on Instagram. And as I said, uh, if you're a podcast fan, you can catch all our episodes on our podcast platforms. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us there. We upload episodes so that they're ready to listen to every Thursday morning. And as I said, please head to our Ruin Hammer Instagram page. It's where we upload content daily. Uh, to keep all our followers informed of upcoming events, Warriors news, player movements, and all other Warriors content. <coughs> Sorry, mate. <clears throat> no worries, mate. Well, yeah, that's that's the end of another great chat. As we said before, um, just blo- we're just blown away by the fact that we're able to talk to our former legends and just just have such a frank, open, and honest chat. And yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be getting in touch with Mark and getting him back on next year and we'll get stuck into those pathways and how we can absolutely happen to know (laughs) yeah absolutely mate absolutely um yeah sorry about the uh technical difficulties tonight mate uh and to everyone watching um but we thank you we appreciate your support uh really looking forward to next week's show mate absolutely will be a big one don't don't miss out ivan cleary next week but in the meantime you guys all stay safe enjoy the rest of your week and go the warriors Go the Warriors. Cheers.